G'day folks, welcome to Down Under Sigma. You are here with the coach. G'day, how are we all? Uh, we have a very important, special, uh, a topic that has been on the back burner for a long time and my good friend Liam has really stressed the importance of this particular topic at this particular time. So we thought what a great opportunity to chat about mental health and the hobby as always, my Down Under Sigma co-host, except for one episode, uh, it is Liam the Villain, a.k.a. Shadowhammer. How are you, Liam? I am exhausted because you somehow got me out of bed this early, which is like, I think no one has done this in about months. I've never been up this early for like months. So this is like weird for me. I see like the sun rising. It's weird. So for anyone who's catching up on this on uh, a later video on demand stream or on the podcast, uh, i just let you know that Liam is, has joined us today at nine o'clock in the morning. So on a Saturday, uh, Liam, uh, it, it took, uh, I, I had to call his mom. I had to let his cat know. I had to harass him. Uh, and I actually went over to his house to set on the alarms just so he would wake up in preparation for nine o'clock in the morning. So uh, on behalf of the community, thank you for waking up at nine in the morning. That's all good. Yeah, it's really good for me. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my wife had a Christmas party last night, so I stayed up really late, uh, got chatting with some people in the community, but I was up okay. I'm really well. Um, but we have a special guest. Uh, very excited to have him debuting on the channel. Uh, he is a man from my heart over, I guess, a, a brother from another mother over from America. Uh, he is a pro wrestling nut. He is the uh, what the king of rant, rant cast, rant cast, I just got fancy for a second. I'm like, oh, I've been, I've been watching too much of the UK election. Uh, it is Mr. Mephisto. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm uh, I'm rocking it, man. How about yourself? Yeah, really good. I can't believe I just got really fancy on that word. Uh, you know, I think it's, the, you You talked about like moving the schedule and the esteem and the topic. Like you just, you caught in the moment, you let the prestige uh, take over you. Well, I was watching the elections because one of my, uh, my one of my dear friends was running uh, in one of the seats. So he was the candidates for the Greens. So I was watching Twitch nonstop for about eight hours waiting to see how his seat went. And uh, it must be that posh British accent starting to come through my Aussie twang. <laughs> twang. I'll try not to go to like Midwest America on you. But for the benefits of anyone who may not know who you are, you are very highly active on social media. You you know have a wonderful Twitch platform. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, uh, if you're not into the whole brevity thing, I'm the magical Mister Mephisto. Uh, if you prefer to be succinct with it, Mephisto or or just Andrew. Um. Uh, but not Andy. I found out yesterday. Absolutely not Andy. Please, I uh, take it as a. You can call me like you can make up a random nickname for me. And I would find that more favorable to Andy. I just, uh, it's it's a primal hatred. I have no way. Uh, I probably shouldn't be letting my uh, my Achilles heel out into the world, but now it's known. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I do a I do a little uh, weekly show, sometimes twice weekly, um, called Rantcast over on Twitch. Uh, I then export that after you know I tape the live show. I export that to uh, uh, YouTube, and then all the it gets a pure audio form on all your favorite po uh, podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, uh, Podbean, uh, CastBox, stuff like that. I like to think it's a show that's Age of Sigma adjacent. Like, you know, I, I my favorite parts of of gaming are the the like sort of Venn diagram spheres of how gaming intersects with the rest of our life. 
you know, our relationships with people, how that defines that stuff. So that's the stuff I tend to explore a little bit on Age of Sigmar. Um, you know, folks like you do a hell of a job deep diving on Battletome, so I don't need to be smart about it. I can just uh, bullshit my way through a show, and, and that's what I do. <laughs> um, let the truth ruin a good story in my opinion you just right. look at the camera be very confident and you wait for the chat to absolutely smash you with all the wrong the rules you got wrong right right well i, I mean with with uh with Rantcast because it, it is live very similar to how you're doing live here on youtube um the twitch interactions are why i'm on twitch it's the the memeing, the 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 you know emojis, like having your own custom art and stuff, like things like that. I think put a little bit more personality into it. Um, it it part of it helps shape Rantcast into being that show that's very much interactive with with the chat. The chat's part of it. You know, they've all started uh, taking to calling themselves chat gang. They've got their own emote and everything. Um, and yeah, they uh, they pick me up when I fall down. Uh, last night. Uh, I was stumbling through a historical battle. I had I couldn't remember what it was called, and they're like, "Oh, it's you know, I don't know, Privy Hill or something like that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's what it was called." I just remembered the story, so they make me look more intelligent too. Um, <laughs> like uh, like any good community, right? Like uh, you you just they bring you up, and and I think that's a big big part of the show. So. The thing that I the, the thing that I always say in business when I'm working with um, with you know, coaching colleagues is um, surround yourself be be the idiot in the room surround yourself with smart people and that's where you elevate yourself you never want to be the smartest person in the room so um, so yeah that's, I, I don't know what that that was a bit of a weird segue but I know uh, the chat is giving you absolute hell you could be known as Ando Ando Rooney Ando Star Drew Star Drewy Nagash's personal magic girl uh, so many cool stuff. I, I like that. I like Nagash's personal magic girl, really. Like that one's that one's pretty spicy. I but I'm pretty that. sure that role's already been filled by Arcan. Mm. So we can so just call I you have... Arcan. We can just call you Arcan. <laughs> just call me Arcan. Well my my uh what was my rap my my rap nickname for a little bit there when I thought I was gonna be a rapper. This is a total lie, by the way, it's not. Um was A Train. So like that was that was a very short-lived. I don't know if you you've you mentioned the pro wrestling thing. I don't know if you mentioned that uh, that I actually was an independent wrestler for a, a couple years. Um, uh, wrestled in mostly the Midwest, uh, a lot of a uh, lot of Western Wisconsin, Eastern Minnesota, uh, around that circuit. So AEW or not AEW? I'm sorry, AEW. <laughs> AEW. Yeah, I was on AEW <laughs> like ten years before it was even a thing. No, it was uh, NAW, New Age Wrestling, uh, Bull Power Wrestling, uh, a bunch of like local stuff. Um, and I love a persona. <laughs> like, I just, I love, you know, like we've got the villain here with us. Like I, I, that's why I'm so active on Twitter is it's just like, you're just, heels have more fun, you know, and you got to be a heel. Um, so inventing personas for myself is just par for the course. Liam, do you know the difference? Do you know what a, a face and a heel is? Nah. Cool. <laughs> is, is <laughs> Are you going to give me another business like speech no, about this? This is, this is a wrestling one. Basically, a heel is the bad guy and the face is a good guy. So this right. is where you're going to lean into that villain persona. Now, it doesn't mean like you uh, do really bad stuff, but you really lean in. And, and you know, like when a, when a heel goes into the crowd, there's lots of booing, like, boo, boo, Liam, you suck, you suck. And you I get that all the time. And, and, you, and you just go in there and you trigger people and you, you get that reaction. So I think that's the vil villain persona that we're all waiting for. And, you know, it's the, the egg that's going to eventually hatch. But uh, 
Well, thanks to you guys on Twitter who keep tagging me on the same post about a guy who made like every club needs a villain. I was like, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I got tagged like four or five times. I was like, okay, I clearly need to buy this top. Right. Like you guys are clearly wanting me want me to buy this top, which I'm not gonna lie, I will be buying next week. But <laughs> awesome. But yeah. Well, so that so that, so Liam and uh, and Mr. Mephisto are here today to talk about mental health and the hobby. Before we get into that, we're going to do our traditional around the grounds and find a little bit about you know what's going on in our world. So. Uh, Mephisto might ask you what's going on in your gaming table. Um, been painting much? You've been playing much? What's going on re- re- uh, recently? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't played a lot of Age of Sigmar since uh, my bro Halo and I beat uh, Tom and Vince at Holy Havoc. And I'm just going to keep talking about that. I'm fairly certain Warhammer Weekly is a subsidiary of Rantcast now because uh, we owned them. Uh, but uh, I, since since Holy Havoc, I haven't really played a whole lot. Um, just kind of getting ready for the season, which is really does tie into like some of the mental health stuff we're going to talk about. This is a particular time of the year when some stuff happens and I'll talk about it a little bit more, but I kind of have to like prep myself. I got to get all the distractions out the way. So cleaning up my office space, uh, you know, just giving myself a clean slate. So I've been doing a lot of that uh, and a lot of hobby, getting my Osiric Bone Reapers ready for uh, Wapaka, uh, which is a probably the most Wisconsin tournament. I know that maybe doesn't mean anything to the uh, and to people living in the upside down or around the world, but like it's very much the like you do beer hoistings as tiebreakers and stuff. It's it's the most Wisconsin tournament we have. You drive. Wait, some, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, if you have like a tiebreaker, uh, like on the last day, you know, like for best death or something like that, you you'll do a beer hoisting with somebody. Uh, you know, once they go down the tiebreakers. So, what's a beer hoisting? Is that uh, beer hoisting is just like you hold out your mug, your stein, for as long as possible. The person to like drop their, but it has stein. to be like full. So it's like kind of like, yeah, it's like you see it in baseball where like when people want to check out their bat, they try and see how long they can hold it up in the air. Yes, and if it like drops a little bit, then the bat's too heavy. So it's kind of similar to that. Yeah, yeah, you hold your, you hoist your stein, and then it's etiquette for you when you drop your stein to slam it. Uh, not to be confused with boat racing, which is, of course, like I slam my beer, the next person next to me slams their beer and goes around. That would be a really cool tiebreaker for a team event, I think. I have never seen either of those. Here I was thinking like world's strongest man we're doing the keg toss, but you're actually, <laughs> it's very different to what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting ready for that. I'm going to be running my bone, uh, my, my bone daddies. Um, so I've been doing a lot of hobby um, and, uh, and, uh, I will be laid off seasonally speaking. We get a ton of snow. I work not in construction. I'm more on the like engineering planning side of construction. So I go out there, I survey all the land and I, I do a bunch of like that stuff. Um, well, when winter rolls around and there's a ton of snow, there's not a whole lot of construction to be done. Uh, so usually I take a seasonal layoff around uh, January, February. Uh, I take it in January. It's going to give me a lot of time to focus on on the Bone Daddies, and then uh, Haywo and I are going to just grind out some games over a couple of weeks, a few weeks there, getting getting ready for Paco. Sick. Yeah, Liam, what's going on in your world? That sounds pretty amazing, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's like I'm, a little I'm, vacation. It's it's going to be pretty sweet, I think. I'm literally going to be writing down a note for like my next event that I run, beer hoisting as a tiebreaker. Like no secondary objectives. Just see how this goes. Um, it sounds like something that Australia would totally be down for. I was um, thinking the boat, the boat race sounds like that's down our way. Oh, yeah. I, I would totally do that for like a doubles event. Like, you like, <laughs> just be like, okay, guys, do this way. Um, what's happening in my world? Well, I've been painting heaps um, with, again, the Bone Daddies, um, getting ready for CanCon, um, which is, yeah, you're shaking my head being like, 
you're not going to get it done. Which no, I'm shaking my lie. head that both of my guests are working on the Bone Daddies. Oh, uh, and I bet you're such... both doing Petrofix. Um, yeah. I'm doing a Petrofix if it, if it makes you feel any better for Paco. Come on, 72% of the – so I, I did a video the other week around the emerging meta based on AOS reminders, and 72% of the list generated were were the, uh, the Petrofix elite. Mm-hmm. So don't not be the 72%. You, may you, I, are my, you are my average. May I interrupt real quick, uh, Liam, here, with some hot take? I think as the meta progresses and people play with Osiric Bone Reapers and remember Mortal Wounds are good against low model count armies again, uh, you're going to s- realize the downsides of the army. You're going to see a little bit more Staliarch Lords, and you're going to see a little bit more uh, um, on a, uh, more Great Orients. In the whole Osiric Bone Reaper video that we did like a couple of weeks ago, I did say Staliarch Lords is by far the next best thing. Oh man, it's 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 the it's the washing machine, man. You put people in the spin so cycle, good. it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Somebody yeah, did like, comment so- on my video. They're like, "Why wasn't the um the, the was it Stadia Claudes? Um, why weren't they? Why weren't they as nearly as represented?" And I think they were calling out oh, what was the second most popular faction. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it wasn't the Magic One. Um, it Historians, wasn't the-, the exploding ones. I can't remember, but either way, they were like they they were they they they, they kind of shattered what you just said that. Um, they thought there was definitely um, uh, better better builds, or they were surprised that wasn't um, close to the top. People gravitate yeah. towards the obvious thing early, and it's, it's the hag. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it, absolutely continue. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we'll just call it the Hagnar effect. We, yeah. it's it's the Hagnar effect. Once you see something that's like way too obvious, everyone just goes mm-hmm. to it. But um, after CanCon, I'll be looking at Staliac Lords and the um, Magic Heavy one, where it's like just shutting down Magic. Um, due to I'll be needing to practice games due to I made it to the ETC team, which um, yeah, so that's uh, it's gonna be congratulations. Time. Yeah, yeah, I'm still surprised to be honest that I was selected, but I'll take it. Um, but yeah, so I got that. So that's happening in my world, and I've been practicing games with uh, Chris Welfare from Mortally Wounded Heaps. Um, uh, we literally just had a practice game last night, and we got home at like midnight or one. So. Yeah, at the new Exiles Gaming Club. So anyone who's from Sydney, uh, you may know Exiles in St. Peter's has just been moved to uh, Marrickville. And the new venue is like mint, like super awesome. mint. So yeah, it's really good. So that's been happening with me, man. What about you? Uh, painting mostly. I I, um, I played a game last week with a, um, a player who, who's returning back to AOS um, after about a 12-month stint. Um, so I took him through the robes, introduced him to the new scenery table, introduced him to his new war scrolls. Uh, being a death player, I had to kind of walk him through like we had Arcane the Black as well. So that war scroll changed from his battle tome and um, it, was a, it was a really good game. Um, uh, probably the list wasn't as optimised uh, for the current meta that it was um, probably 12, 18 months ago. But it was a really good game. I was, you know, I was practicing my CanCon list. I kind of uh, kept it on a bit of easy mode, but it was really good. Otherwise, uh, just painting, man, just really painting. I bought up a new Hurricanum. I uh, bought um, I bought some Demigriffs, so I'm going to have the Hurricanum being pulled by Demigriffs as opposed to horses. And I'm looking some other little ways to kind of, make it my own um and then i just put some some primer on my uh my uh, anointed uh, free guild anointed um warrior so that'll be good he'll he'll lead my free guild phoenix guard hell yeah um speaking of the obvious thing <laughs> phoenix guard being you know the human 
You made no. them human. You made them human. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. They are my army is free guild. They. Are, uh, I am an empire player from back in the day, and everything uh, that is not hu- uh, elf or human, sorry, will be human. So uh, my my um my f- my frost phoenix will eventually be human. I'll have the ice queen Akislev on top. Uh, anything my shadow warriors are humanized. Uh, no dirty elves for me. <laughs> see, I, I see. I think that really is one of the the major strengths of cities is you put a lot of yourself on that army, a lot of a lot of your personality. It's just it's just ready to go. Um, obviously, most armies you try to put your own spin on, but it's just that whole army is just saying, "Hey, customize me." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You look at everyone. Everyone is uh, I've seen really cool uh, bestial kind of like Gur based armies. You know, the likes of Tristan Gray is doing some amazing work. Uh, with his his types of models, like everyone, you know, the the hob the, the cities of Sigma book rewards hobby. It is a hobbyist yeah. dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very it's a pretty cool book to have. Like, yeah, with the flexibility, which is cool. Right. Yeah, and I was actually chatting to someone the other day who's done the complete opposite. They've elvenized uh, free people stuff, so they're using the uh, like the old high off great swords as. Oh no! Sorry, what are they called? The they were oh, basically they had they're basically great swords without being great swords, but they got the elven version. Like and the sword masters. That's that's the one, yeah. So they got sword masters instead of great swords, and they're elvenizing the free guild. So um, I think the book rewards that, and I think most tournament organizers are more than happy for you to kit bash and just have an absolute ball, um, and put your love into the hobby. Right. Yeah, it's good. Um, News-wise, as well to mention, Slaves of Darkness comes out today. Yes, yes, today is Saturday, and uh, either of you picking up Slaves of Darkness book? I will pick up the book because uh, Rantcast is... I don't typically do Battle Tome reviews, but uh, I think there's... Apart from my personal bias armies, there's like a couple books that I think are just super important to the game, one of them being Cities of Sigmar. Uh, I think Slaves of Darkness is on that same tier. And then I think Seraphon actually is secretly on that that exact same tier. So I think those are the ones that really, really merit some some discussion. So I'll be picking that up. Also, uh, allies for my beast of chaos. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, there's, no, there's no problem with that. I was just like letting you do it. But um, I agree. Like It's one of those books that you need to kind of get because it is a book to learn. Because everyone has a undivided chaos army or models-wise. And we're going to see a lot of people like probably running Nurgle again within slaves or like use the Nurgle keyword and put them in Magikin and stuff. And we're going to see that here. So like also Sinesh and stuff. So it is very much a book that we need to like, like you probably need to get your head around because there's going to be so many like hidden tech stuff in that book. Also, Archeon is definitely going to be coming back for people who just want to bring back the pretty much God of the end of the world times. Do you think it's going to shake up the meta? Do we think we're going to see a whole bunch of Slaves to Darkness-based armies on the table? Or is it, uh, you know, like more of a finesse book, like, you know, no offense, the Beast of Chaos? Is that I, yeah. that's, that's an open question for either. Okay. Go. Me? Okay. Um, I think in a volume of models sense, it, it can't help but be meta shaping i don't think it's gonna be meta shaping in the way that like you have to deal with this army you know like you have to have an answer um you know dodge it or beat it like 
the type of thing that like say Slanesh or Skaven was like, can I beat this or do I need to dodge it? Um, I don't think it's going to be in that same category. I do think there's some really awesome tech in there that you just need to be aware. Otherwise a KG opponent's going to take you to task. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just, I, but I, it's just such a big book. For instance, like someone who gets their Slanesh army, if, if this big winner FAQ doesn't have some finesse to it, changing like in, in the uh, adjustments, I'll say to Slanesh coming for that, we hope to get um they're just gonna shift that army over into slaves of darkness you know like you're gonna see that happen with people's armies just kind of become modular and then shift over into slaves of darkness and and so you're just it's just gonna be meta shaping just by volume the way that stormcast eternals even if they're not tier one you just need to be you just need to know how to beat them because you're gonna yeah. see a lot of them yeah 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 uh, liam uh, there's just secret tech in there. Like I've had a quick little, I've watched man reads book video. Um, and I was just like listening and stuff. And I was just like, there's some secret serious tech here. Um, that we, you can definitely see like the top tier players probably like use and abuse kind of thing. But, um, it's going to be one of those armies where it's going to be mid tables, but give it to a player who understands the gist and stuff with the secret tech and get people at like gotcha moments in a way will be on top tables. Um, and also some of the new models that they've released for it are epic. Like that new chaos Lord is awesome. Yeah. Like he's yeah. like, I can't fault it. Like I'm literally looking at it right now being like, I might just buy a star collecting box just to do that. Right. So, yeah. 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 I mean, like, yeah. you know, we, you know, if should Zench get another book, for example, as well, we're going to start to see not only Nurgle builds, but you know, what does Slaves the Darkness look like under a refreshed Zench book? Should that happen? Uh, obviously, we've got Slanesh that's really strong right now. So, how do those two combine? Um, and no one's really talking about corn. So, um, uh, let's talk about corn. Is there? I haven't seen corn. much people talking about corn. I think it seems like everyone's talking about Nurgle. That's the the, the big one that everyone's talking about. Um, well, that's the most obvious one that's going to get FAQ oh, in a man. heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing, the one I really like is actually the, the Zinch one. Moving endless spells out of phase is awesome. Like, yeah. it, you can do so much with that by just like popping a dude and like now you move. The vast majority of wording on endless spells is like when it completes a move. So you pop a guy in your hero phase and then just like it doesn't even need to move far, it just moves again and ends its movement within one inch of something to proc a purple sun again to proc a you know, like you're, pendulum. you're yeah, pendulum. Yeah, it's just oh, like it, it there's so much, like you said, Liam, there's so much tech in that book that just like from a like a list science sort of like theory crafters brain that I, I sort of have, like I look at it and I go yes you know it does have some obvious things i think like that people latched onto early was the dark prophecy which yeah, yeah. it's logistical issues but like honestly you're swinging a what it's like a 42 percent chance if you have just went yeah to double turn all yeah. dark prophecy is really doing is swinging that back to a 50 percent when you look at just like a raw numbers it's it's worth a if a command point says have plus eight percent to win a, a double turn if you just win that's what it does yeah. in the game yeah, there's logistical things like, do we flip coins? Do you trust me to not lie about my die and use my uh, close-up magic tricks to shift the number around and cheat you? Whatever. But when it gets right down to it, like, I think the ability is cool, but it's not really going to be stealing games. Not, yeah. not any more yeah. than, than priority already does. Good players are going to play assuming you're going to win priority against them. And yeah, with that, yeah, because like you're only really using that ability because you're hoping to get that priority, right? Yeah, and I think so. You kind of play it being like you're really one of that priority, so I'm going to play it this way. 
So for the benefit um, of anyone who doesn't know what this is, uh, what it is is you, you um, spend a command point, uh, you roll a dice on a one, two, or three, uh, you go first, you, get, your opponent go, you go first, and then four, five, six is your opponent goes first. One of those two orders, but essentially it's a secret dice roll, so only you, the, um, the Chaos player, knows who's taking the priority. So I guess it's foresight into what's coming up. And I think yeah. some of the challenges that people have been talking about online is how do you how do you create that trust? How do I roll the dice and know that um, what you've rolled is the actual priority roll as opposed to just choosing something that you really want? So uh, I'm sure we're going to work that out as a community. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's a fantastic role. I don't want to see it dropped at all. Um, whether you call over a TO, whether and I'm sure there's some some someone smarter than me is going to work out a mechanism that's going to be great for everyone. Yeah, we yeah, were talking yeah, coin flips, like just flipping a coin and putting the because a coin doesn't get run the risk of getting 50. bumped as much, you know, like so a coin and then putting it under a cup or under your cheat sheet, your AOS reminder sheet or something, right? Like, yeah, I just say dice cup put in the middle of the table and that's it, like, like where everyone can see. Mm. Um, and also, it's a great thing called don't be a dickhead. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so it looks really cool. I really like that book. I think it's epic. I can't wait to see what people do with it. I've already been getting sent lists by like our mate Elfbro and stuff, which is really cool because he's OG Slays the Darkness. So yeah, um, one model to give a shout out though is the new Warcry cat. Like her rules are awesome. Like really cool. The War Llama? <laughs> it's a cat. <laughs> no, yeah, the War it's Llama. A, it's a llama. The Llama's boss. The War Llama. <laughs> I, I think it's really cool because it's... The skink, I think it's the skink star seer, which was probably the most fun game mechanic, like one of the most fun game mechanics where like you and your opponent get to interact by like trying to match dice or trying to like get the same dice. And it's kind of that same thing, but it's kind of like stares at you being like, I'm playing a mind game with you. And if you fuck this up, you fight last. And I just, and I think those kind of mechanics yeah. are just really cool. And like, it's kind of because this is the thing that I always found was really cool when AOS went to unbinding 30 inches is because in your opponent's hero phase, you still get to interact with them. Yes. Because I remember there was a stage in AOS 1 where it was just like, when it was your opponent's hero phase, you, there's nothing you could do. Like you just stood there being like, I can't do anything. I can't do any interactions. Like I have to wait till combat or shooting to do something. So this is one of those things where like you can get your opponent to interact with you as well before combat, which is kind of cool. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always talk about the social side of this game. You know, if I play Magic the Gathering with you, I put on headphones, I don't even talk to you. I turn cards sideways and then take my win or take my loss, walk walk away from the table. Playing Age of Sigmar forces you to be uh, social with your opponent. It's part yeah. of what makes this game great. And yeah. mechanics that reinforce that, I think are awesome. That's why I love Hand of Dust. You know, I'm going to put hold the, the die and I'm just going to talk shit the whole time while I have the die in my hand. Like, am I left-handed? Am I right-handed? Does it even yeah. matter? Like, yeah. same thing. Like, you're going to roll that die. You're going to put it under the cup. You're going to look at it. And you're going to go, am I going to take the double turn or not? And you're just going to, like, it, I think that's fun. I think yeah. stuff like that is really fun, and it takes the I game do it with my fanatics all the time. Like, I'll, I'll mess with people. So my grot, um, my grots have red hats, blue hats, and purple hats. So I've got three different units. And I'll always write in the book which colored hats the fanatics are in. And everyone always guesses the big unit, and I never put it in the big unit. But it's always that fun little dance, like, which 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 unit am I putting it in? And they're like, oh, they're like, you know, they're they're being all cagey and janky. But there's that fun little dance that we yeah. have. It's a social interaction, and uh, I'm all for that. 
Uh, and yeah. it kind of ties in again nicely to what we're talking about here, which is about the hobby, the community, and how important that social element is to this game. Um, yeah. 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 I, I just like just seeing these rules are making me happy that like GW are bringing back. And I think this is the one book where it's a new rules writer. They just brought in the third rules writer and this is his first book. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I can already see there's some FAQs, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like in all fairness, this is his like first like GW like rule writing publication. So like you can probably give it a bit more leeway, but it's not like some of the other books where you kind of just look at being like, who seriously wrote this? Like, come on, guys. But this doesn't every- work at all. I like yeah. on its surface value. Yeah, it's you see where the headspace is going. You see them pushing some the boundary of rules, and most importantly, you see them reinforcing the interactions on the table, which is what good yeah. rules do. Yeah. yeah, and just to close out the Slaves to Darkness, uh, I think it's going to be a book that is going to take probably a few months for that list tech to come out. Yes, absolutely, the the easy stuff like the Nurgle will start to kind of pop up. Obviously, people who have already got Slaves to Darkness will run what they'll run, but I think much like Cities, much like um, the Gloom Spike Gits, it's going to take a good four to six months for that nice little yeah. secret tech to start popping up. Uh, don't, ima- don't expect to see it kind of overtaking the meta straight away like your Bone Reapers and your Slanesh, but uh, there's some good stuff in there, really good stuff. Yeah, the the people are going to play what they have first, and then they're gonna and then they're gonna tack out their lists uh, like yeah. gradually, just from a very logistical standpoint. They're going to play what they have first, and what you have first isn't necessarily the best. We see this with cities right now, where like they're kind of like downtrodden, but they're going to bounce up. The people on the Hallow Hearts, the people on like the the really tuned Living Cities or or, or Tempest Eye, right? Yeah. So. Love it. Um, before we get into the topic of the week, I always want to thank the, everyone who supports the channel, which is uh, my Patreons. Thank you very much for all of your love and support. Uh, if you're actually on this list, I've actually sent you guys all out a bunch of Christmas goodies, uh, which includes um, some uh, some coach merch. So uh, got some got some little gaming accessories to send out. So thank you very much, everybody. Uh, and I've got a little hat as well. I'll oh, don't do that one yet. Um, Wrapping up the Australian scene, uh, that was awkward. Um, <laughs> actually, I should probably shout out the names for everyone who joins the, the, the podcast. So thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Reflex Dog. Uh, thank you, Sphinx. Thank you, Chaos, uh, Chaos Spawn. Thank you, Matt, Dwight. There's so many cool people on there. I really appreciate your support. Um, wrapping up the Australian scene very much. We have a couple of events coming up. We do have Call to Glory, which is CanCon, 240 players. Uh, it is sold out. If you want to join, come on the wait list. It's an amazing event. We've got people coming from Scotland. We've got people coming from America. We've got people coming from uh, all walks of life. Um, it's going to be a really cool event. Looking forward to it. We've got uh, Victoria's got the Summer Smash. We've got SAGT, which uh, Doom and Darkness, I think, sold out within an hour, an hour and a half, maybe hour, yeah. less than that. It was uh, 50 spots. That's going to be a good one. And Dwellers Below are running a pretty awesome narrative event coming up. They sold out a uh, majority of their tickets very early on. There might be a couple still left. Uh, jump on that. Uh, very, very cool. 1,500 points, plus you build a Titan of War. So uh, you get to create a monster or a, uh, some type of mechanism that uh, you will be using for your story. Um, yeah, I think... It can be uh, either like a monster or a hero character that you've always wanted to kit bash or paint up. And then there's also like, you could also probably do like a cool terrain piece, but like, you know how like every army now is getting like a terrain piece, but like you can rock up with an army, but let's say like Cities of Sigma don't have a terrain piece mm. really. So you can build like a Titan of War and like write a cool terrain war scroll that buffs your army. 
and stuff or like there could be like this cool endless spell that you want to do where it's like the aura of sigma and your stormcast army can like cast it and it's like sigma himself coming in with his hammer like you can do cool stuff like that and that can be your titan of war so it doesn't exactly have to be a model but it can be like this cool creation that you've always wanted gw to make so yeah. definitely check that out. The narrative events worldwide are incredible. You've got the Raws, you've got the um, Nova, you've got, you know, a, a Weimar achievements. Check out a narrative event uh, no matter what country you're in. Um, finally, just a little bit about what's going on in the Aussie content scene. We've got a whole bunch of fresh Aussie content. We've had the Heralds of Warpatter put out a podcast. Dwellers Below put out a podcast. Modley Woonhead put out a podcast. Haven't seen anything new in the last week or two from Notorious, but definitely still check out their their Masters hype. Um, the Failed Charge put out an interesting one called Are You Assuming My Legion? Though that wasn't their initial title. They kind of flipped that cheeky bug buggers. Um, and then for, on, on a YouTube perspective, Doom of Darkness, Measured uh, Gaming, Cinderful Gaming, uh, Borderline Gaming, which is a new channel. They put out their very first bat rep. Um, and then from a blog point of view, you've got Plastic Crack, uh, our friend Peter Atkins uh, has put out um, uh, a, a cool little little blog around wrapping up the year, uh, and yep. then Rex has kind of shared a little bit about his road to CanCon. Yep. The Peter, Peter Atkins blog, by the way, is really fantastic. If you, if it, no one's uh, like, I don't read a whole lot because reading is for suckers. Um, but his, his stuff is really good. It's it, it, it has like a really cool spin. Uh, I love his uh shameless homerism for orcs. Uh, like it's like how I am with death, I see that with with orcs, and I appreciate the res like I respect game recognizes game, right? And and he's got a lot yeah. of game, so I, I really he's, like he's also one of the people who got elected for ETC as well. So, yeah, so who so was the Australian ETC team? So that got announced uh, literally the it, other day. It got announced on Sunday. Um, so it is Matt Tyrrell, the new master of Australia. And then we got Andrew Bigwood, king of narrative, alongside um, Cinderful Gaming. He's also king of narrative before I get a message from him saying, like, no, wait, what about me? Um, so Bigwood, who is you would probably see on Cinderful Gaming's YouTube channel, he's part of it. So that's two. And then we got uh, Michael Clark from Victoria, Peter Atkinson, um myself and i am missing oh and of course charles black oh, yes charles black is also part of it as well so yeah and we don't have a coach coming with us to the trip yet but so someone wants to feel like they can be a coach or aka water boy with us let us know um applications are open i just hit us up and we'll work things out but then um, we also got um Nick from Dwellers and a few others who are coaching with us on our training days. So there's a few people who have been putting their hands up um, saying like, we'll come on your training days. We'll help you guys out. Um, a lot of the XETC guys are coming to help us out with the pairing system being like, how does this works? Um, so the team building is actually already started really within, within 24 hours. We've already worked out like how this team's going to function mechanically. So, and we're all on the same view of like, we're going there to have a great time. I will do our best. We're not expecting to win, but like we are definitely going to be like going like we're going to like put our footprint being like we're going to do well for our country. So yeah, really excited. You're going to swag yeah. all over people basically. I'm just going to sass them and just be friendly <laughs> at the same time. Is is it customary to have a water boy at, at ETC? I've only recently started following the ETC coverage. That happens at a weird time. Um, what it, it, uh so generally most teams do bring a coach, like a non-playing coach. It has to be non-play, like the coach can't play, like it's not right. playing. 
And so generally, sometimes when you're waiting around, you generally have to get drinks for your team to make sure that they're hydrated in many ways possible. So um, I think it is pretty much like you have to get one. So that's why that's why I'm like, if anyone wants to come along. But like, you're coming for the team bonding as opposed to being your personal lackey. Uh, well, also, yeah, we're going to Warhammer World beforehand, so that might be a selling point. <laughs> so if anyone wants to tag along. But yeah, like I'm, I'm super excited for the trip. Yeah, I'm um, so seeing, seeing a whole bunch of teams being announced at the moment. And I think I've seen Scotland, England. Uh, I think America announced that. There's some pretty strong teams and some very reputable yeah. people. Uh, across the board so uh it will be an amazing weekend to meet some of the world's best sigma players from across all of the regions um and it's really the first time properly well i mean like we had it last year and well this year but next year you know we got more nations coming so very excited yeah it's definitely built up its reputation now for most countries now want to have a team there um i know that we're still like on the fence but then the fact that we finally got one is super exciting so yeah, and I always, and I love team events. Team events are awesome. Like it's a yeah. great format. It's it's just like one of those. It's a very like gamer format. Plus the showmanship, the camaraderie. It, it's just got all the stuff. Like yeah, turn, like it's just got all the stuff that you like. Like you love AOS for. And yeah, when we say exactly. team events, it's not uh, it's not like two on two. It's a team of five or six. Is it five, six? It's six. Team yeah, six. Team six. But it's a one-on-one -on -one, but process, but you go through a series of matchups. So, you know, as mm -hmm. the team Australia works out, you know, which armies they want to play against and, the, you, know, the, you know, the English then choose who they want to play against. And then there's this nice little matchup process that you might get one, one battle that you really want to pair up with, but then they get something. So, you know, there's much defending as much as attacking and trying to score as many points or denying as many points through the process of the tournament. So it's a, it's a fascinating concept. Yeah. Right. You, you can have a list that's just its entire job is to just be an anchor list and not give up points. You know, yeah. like it, you, they play for the minor every, every, every game and you, you match that into some beat down list you're afraid of. And then uh, you've got the army, you've got your list. That's the beat down. That's just supposed to get the major. And there's a really yeah. cool sort of like list drafting. It's just a really cool format. If anyone who's listening and are interested more about it, um, AOS Shorts has a couple of interviews with some of the ETC team members about it, like Jack Armstrong and stuff. So you can go to AOS Shorts. Um, and then also Face Hammer has a really good podcast about their experience with um, ETC last year, which I've listened to now a couple of times. And it's a really good podcast. Like it's really good and it's very good. So if you guys want to know more, because this show's not about ETC, but if you want to learn more about it, those are the two um, places that I would recommend to go to if you want to learn more about it. So, yeah. Maybe we will do an ETC show as we get closer and we'll chat yeah. to the Australian team. What do you reckon yeah. about that? I, I thought we were already going to do that. I thought that was like pretty much like a given since when we All announced right. the team. <laughs> All right. Well, assuming you're still on the channel next year uh, because the, uh, the, the the survey feedback is in. So uh, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll have one. Um, do you want to now get into the topic of the week, which is obviously about uh, mental health and hobby? Uh, that would be amazing. Yes, let's awesome. do that. All right, let's get into it. Now, I want to put some context around this first. Now, the context I want to put around this is that I and uh, the, the people who are on here today, we are not medical professions. We are not uh, therapists. We are not uh, trained professionals. Yeah, psychologists is where I wanted to go with that. Thank you. We are not uh, specialists in this field. So uh, what, what we're going to share with you is practical and realistic feedback that has been uncovered through our own experiences 
However, if you find yourself in a position where you need help, where you are not okay, please refer to your points of contact in your country. Now, uh, my listener audience comes from around the world, so I can't deep dive into every single country and every single point of contact, but the the top four that I found, certainly from an Australian point of view, so you've got the Kids Helpline, Beyond Blue and Lifeline is just three of the many examples uh, that you can reach out and, and just say, look, I'm not okay, I need some help. Um, from the UK point of view, you've got the Samaritans, Shout, uh, is it Papyrus? Um, yep. Um, those guys are wonderful. Uh, and many of these services as well have an online um, chat facility chat. as well. So you don't even have to call up. You don't have to, you know, if you don't want to speak to someone, but you want to chat to someone that those facilities are there as well. Um, from a Canada point of view, you know, kids help, the kids help phone, the crisis service uh, in Canada, the crisis text line, um, are all wonderful services. And then in America, you've got the Crisis Text Line, the Samaritans USA, and I'm Alive Crisis Chat Line. Um, there, are, there are points of contact in every country, and please see a professional if you, if you really need help. Um, I can't stress that enough. Um, anything that yeah. you two want to add in that kind of like, I just want to put that context down uh, because I'm not a trained professional. No, I think you nailed it. Um, I... I draw a lot from personal anecdote. Um, so, I mean, most of everything I say is anecdotal, um, just from my own experience. Um, for any of our younger viewers there, um, pretty much if there is a kids help line in your area, use it. Um, when I was growing up as a teenager and stuff or like whatever, they were always a really cool service. They were super chill. They understand your mindset and stuff. I haven't really dealt much with the um, the more adult, like adult ones, because I've gone to like my, uh, gee, like my general doctor to go get a referral to someone and everything. So, um, for kids and stuff who are too, a bit too, like being a young kid, or, like a teenager growing up, you don't really want to talk to your parents about it sometimes. And you just want to talk to someone about it. Um, those kid helplines are literally designed for that reason, because yeah. we know that it's like not easy to open up. Like I know for a fact, and some of us here and like other people know it's not that easy to open up at first. Um, and once you do a kids helpline kind of thing, you feel way more confident talking about it. And that's the best way to start um, because yeah, even and like parents nowadays understand that their kids don't really want to talk about like their mental health. Like it's common now that most people don't want to talk about it. So if you have a helpline and you're a young kid growing up and stuff and you're into Warhammer and you're just not feeling yourself kind of thing, use these helplines. They're really good um, for adults. I haven't had an experience, but I, if they're as good as the kids ones, you're pretty, pretty sweet. So yeah. But yeah, it's good. So use let's, them. yeah, ab absolutely, absolutely. Please use them. Uh, most of them, if not all of them, are free. Um, please do use them. Uh, I, I want to set the scene. I want to set the context. And, uh, you know, for people who haven't ch gone through the challenges and the struggles of mental health, I'd love to get a bit of a caveat and understanding of what does it mean to have have mental illness? Like what what is this stigma and what is this thing uh, all about? We hear about it. It's very, very... I wouldn't say buzzword, but there's a lot of stuff going on about this mental health. Like, what is it? Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to you um, having a mental illness? Well, we're having a, a cultural shift right now. Um, for a long time, people thought, just culturally speaking, that the brain is just separate from the body, right? Like, it's you've got your mental and then you've got your physical and they're, they're two different things. And it's like, you can sprain your ankle you don't see the tendons that are, are stressed and strained and that are sprained. You can have minor just 
hiccups in your brain chemistry, um, you know, uh, it reflects in your mood. Um, it's not obvious or apparent stuff because, you know, you're not limping, but you can be socially limping. You can, you can be having some of those, those mental health issues. Um, and I think because we don't see the brain and we are so sort of really diving into it now as a culture, I think part of it just comes with like making it visible, if that makes sense, because yeah. like, you don't have a sling for your, for your brain. If you sprain your brain, you know, like you, you have to be like, Hey man, I'm having a bad day. You know, it, it can be basic stuff. Like I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty anecdotal. I'll probably share as this progresses, I'll share some of my, my, my past with my mom's bipolar disorder and some really extreme cases of, of some, some stuff that really affected me growing up, but it can just be a bad day. Someone yelling at you at work, you know, like, yeah. and how do you, you know, cope? How do you deal? Like, how do you, yeah. So. Yeah. I, when it comes to that, what mental health is and why, like what you mentioned is like how there is a stigma around it. Like I grew up with people saying or thinking that the stigma, it's like this, there's a stigma there being like, oh, mental health's not real. Like you're just grabbing attention or whatever. Um, and that's not true at all. And like, it's really, and like in our society, there's still people, there's still heaps of people who think mental health is not real. Like we have, we even have some like big name politicians in some countries who think it's not a thing. And that's why like they cut funds in like mental health care and stuff. Um, but like mental health generally is just like pretty much what Andrew said in a way. It's just, it's kind of like your brain is just got a broken arm kind of thing. It's just like, it's not having a great day, your mood swings and stuff. And like, and mental health um, can affect your physical self as well. Like hardcore. They're connected. Um, like they're super connected. Like your brain is like a second heartbeat in a way where it's just like without it, you're not functioning. Um, so it definitely affects that. And what does it mean to like have mental health? It's just like, I wouldn't even say it's like, and this is something that I really want to point to say is just like, it's not a weakness or anything. It's just part of you. Like I have lived with mine for ages and it's just a part of me. And like, I live with it. And I kind of sometimes call it like a best friend that you just argue with like every two or three weeks. Like that one friend that you just don't like, but like you're there around. So yeah. that's what, what I want to call out Apollo's chat, uh, Apollo syndrome has made a really good point. I think he said it's a, a sign of weakness, but it's also a sign it's, of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. The bees are accidental. <laughs> I, th I thought he was talking about of... sweet robots, like that nah. we download our consciousness. It, no, he, yeah, so, oh, damn. Um, no, I so, go on. Go, 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 go. Yeah. I, I have um like a cycle essentially. Like it, yeah. um, you know, I, uh, my diagnostic's pretty classic. Um, you know, I'm chronic insomnia. So there's three types of insomnia. I am the extreme version. Uh, if you've seen Fight Club, uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah. So uh, I average on when I'm not having a bad fit of insomnia, which depending on stressors and stuff like that, I average four hours of sleep um, a day. That's yeah. half of what you need. <laughs> um, so I'm always like in a fog. Um, yeah. the other aspect of it is, uh, I have d pretty classic clinical depression. Uh, and then I've got recently developed an anxiety issues, yeah. <laughs> um, that have begun to accompany my depression and the anxiety, the depression is like, was just my normal. 
it's yeah. what I grew up with. Like I just, that's just who it was. It was a part of my identity to yeah. be the depressed artist, writer, poet guy, the goth kid. Like I was, it was part of it. Like I incorporated it into my identity. How my love of death is, is probably in some macabre way related to, to just my mental health growing up. Um, yeah. But like, so that was just like part of my my thing was just like okay, Andrew's depressed, ha ha ha, and it got me chicks for a while. There was some good stuff with the depression. Depression isn't all by itself horrible because depression, when you recognize you you're going through some depression, like usually it's it's short term. Usually depression is short term. You feel it when something is not right. Nothing is something is not balanced in your life, and you seek balance in a yeah. healthy a healthy brain will seek balance, right? Yeah. Um. And so for a long time, I found my balance with my depression. The anxiety has been what was crushing me these last few years. Like, because I would get the depression, I would recognize my de my depressive cycle. It's it's just, it cycles. Like, I'll wake up one day, I'm feeling fucking great every, every day in a row. And then something happens Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing happens. I just wake up in a funk. And now I'm like, I start listening to you know, certain types of bands that I always listen to when I'm depressed. I, I get into my old habits. I don't talk to people. I shut down. I go pick a fight on the internet with somebody. Like I, like I get into like the, my, it, again, it's a cycle. Um, and then when that anxiety coupled, it was like this, it was, it was like a paralysis. Like it just, yeah. it made everything worse than just usual. So I've got the, like my standard hangups and they're all very logical how I ended up, how I did today, but or how I am today. But I hit a breaking point at the beginning of this year. Uh, yeah. Actually. Um, I, some people witnessed it. Coach, you are actually one of them. Uh, you saw it. And now I joke, you're AOS life coach now. But you saw that happen. Like, I just, it, it, it I mentioned seasonal layoff, I think, at the onset of the show. Oh, it just, it's just part of my job. Um, they laid me off. They told me I wasn't going to get laid off that season last year. Then they laid me off for two months instead of just my customary one. Then, so we didn't budget for it. So now we're in like triage mode, trying to like, what can we pay? What can we push? Um, I'm trying to sell a freaking story because usually I welcome my seasonal layoff because then I focus on writing. Suddenly, I don't sell a story for additional income. I have failed. You know, I did not succeed. And it was a bunch of stuff piled up. And I just, I got, I made it to like February get high quote unquote hired back date because it's you're with the same company but the way it works out it it's freaking weird um i end up back with the same company but then we have this extended prolonged winter that goes through april so i'm still only working like 20 hours i'm still partially claiming unemployment they're mad at me for claiming unemployment now for a fourth or fifth month in a row without finding a new job quote unquote i'm like i'm supposed to be permanently and full-time employed yeah. and everything that I that I've woven my myself through toppled down and yeah. I got crushed. Um and I didn't know how to get out of it. Um yeah. and it was it was bad. It, it was bad and and I it was visible is the thing. Like it was um it was the you know like I was losing my losing my temper with people uh getting in picking fights on Facebook or or writing really really grim uh you know, it's just hoping somebody sees anything, you know, and, you know, cause I, I, you know, I'm generally sarcastic. I'm generally dry. I'm, you know, those things are just kind of part of my persona. Like I said, I grew up with depression. It just, at some point, 
you know, it's a little bit of the the Bane thing, like darkness. You merely adopted it. I was born into it type thing. Like at some point you kind of embrace it and, and it, it can be a little bit of fun to like be that sarcastic, semi-depressed sort of like Daria type character. Uh, if you have Daria, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, and I don't know, it's just like the normal things weren't working anymore, though. The just sitting through it, letting it last, listening to music that I listened to to feel better, watching shows I watched to feel better. Um, hobby wasn't really man, uh, when when Nagash went up 50 points, man, it was the end of the fucking world for me, you know, like it, like because everything when you get in that that yeah. mindset is just an attack against you something so yeah. small uh just the the meaning behind that that uh that one little thing and, and i'll use nagash as the, exa the example but there were obviously much bigger things that happened that yeah. one 50 point change or whatever change it was it just it, I, I imagine it's just like another domino falling over in the many dominoes that are happening in your life yeah. yeah. And, and you pointed out really elegantly that part part of what you had noticed is that I tie everything to everything. So like if I am feel like I'm failing in my hobby, uh, I can feel like I'm failing in at my job. And like it just they all interconnect. You know, the big one was writing when I I took that blow to the like, I'm like, OK, it's OK. I'm laid off, but I can write my way out of it. The, the one talent I was born with, God damn it, is I went to school for this. This is my time. And I'm just like. Felt really great about the story I wrote. Did the thing you do. You submit it to a bunch of people. Got a bunch of rejection letters. And I'm like, okay, I can't write my way out of it. I can't do anything. I'm helpless. I'm just stuck. So, uh, real quagmire. Um, and honestly, it started... The way I saw through in the end, support. Um, coach, you, Doom, actually, he sent me some, some personal messages too. Um, there's... <sighs> Something to be said from the kindness of strangers and external people, like seeing that you're going through something and wanting to say something to you. Because Molly, uh, Lulu, she is the love of my life. We've been together nine years. Like we have two kids together, but she's like with me in all my strife, if that makes sense. So like what's happening to me is happening to her. And it's like, it's like trying to throw yourself a life, like a life preserver when you're both already drowning, you know, like, and it wasn't that like, it, like she wasn't trying to help, but it's like, you're on this boat with me that it's, that it's sinking. We need somebody out there to like hail us and, 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 and throw us a life, uh, like a, a life vest or something. But uh, yeah, so, so that wasn't like the normal stuff. The normal stuff just wasn't working um, is a, is a big sort of point of stress, I think. Yeah, I think you, you've raised some really good points um, and some certainly some strategies that we can start thinking about. But um, it's hard sometimes to see the forest from the trees and um, having that external observation or that, you know, I think you call that some really good points. Um, Liam, is there anything that you'd want to share about, about I guess, you know, just for our, for our listeners or for our, for our guests, uh, any any about your story or even a little bit about your diagnosis and, you know, how you feel about it? Um, yeah, easy. Um, I, how do I describe it? I've been like this since I was like 12, 13. Um, I've been like, it's one of those weird things where it's actually, if you're from Australia, you know that that's around the age when you go to high school. Um, and high school was, uh, I wouldn't really say it was the cause in a way, but it kind of was at the same time. But I got a lot of things happening in my family. Um, my parents split, all that stuff. And like, 
you part of you knows that like you might have been like the thing so like you get in that really bad mindset and then it just kept going and then i had this really weird phase when i was a kid where i actually got along with people not my age like i got along with people who were older than me and then so with me struggling with finding friends and stuff i felt super lonely and then that grew into something else such as depression and anxiety and just a whole bunch of other stuff um and i think it was just like and then it just grew and then since I just thought it was normal to feel that way at times, I just let it slide and just kept it going. Like it was just this normal thing. And so I've pretty much felt depressed for like still since then really, like it's like, it's very like on and off as we've spoken about before. Um, and anxiety is a common thing as well. Um, but yeah, high school was rough and just like, it fucked me up, like fucked me up in like so many ways um, where it got me into like a lot of trouble. I wasn't blowing up toilet seats or anything, but like my attitude, and stuff and there was just times where like people literally said there's no point of you being around because you're not even bothering trying and that affected me hugely and i didn't really end like as a kid you're not really like trying to seek help kind of thing like i did end up seeking help as a teenager uh, near the end of high school which i was like super grateful for um that psychologist i kid you not was one of the few people that saved me back then um due to dark thoughts did happen and like may a man may not have been here to this day, if it wasn't for that psychologist who gave me the strategies, who gave me all this stuff to be like, hey, you can do this. Um, and then, yeah, she was pretty bowler. Um, and then when you finish high school, I thought that was like my high. Like that was like, yeah, sick, I'm done it. I've hit the biggest roadblock for me. Um, and like to give people an understanding with me in high school, it was just like, it wasn't the fact that I wasn't good at school. I just hated it. Like I just didn't like structure. Like Anthony, you know me now. When it comes to structuring, sometimes I'm like not a huge fan of it, especially when we talk about like certain politic things and stuff. Like I'm very like particular of like how I want things done. Fight the power. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So like, sometimes I, doing this show is like beating Liam with a proverbial uh, structure stick. Um, yeah, it's. But, but that's not you. Like you know, sometimes um, you know it, you're put in positions, situations where you're struggling, and it's because you're not you. You're not being authentic yeah. to you. And yeah. it's that it's that struggle, right? Like it's just you, yeah. you're pushing back, you're fighting the system, and there's so much that happens behind the scenes. But sorry, please continue. Yeah. Um. So I just didn't get along with it, and then like people at school just looked at me as the emo kid. And for anyone who would, people are gonna laugh when they hear this, but I went to one of those private schools where you pretty much got booked before you were born. Like my life path was already set kind of before I was born. Like you're going to this school, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. Um, during that travels of my life, um, my family and stuff realized that it was probably a huge mistake to do that to me. Cause like, I was very much not that kid that they thought I would be. Um, and they've been super supportive about it. Luckily, like if they, if my parents were supportive again, super dark, but so when I finished high school, I was like, yeah, this is a great high I'm done. And I felt happy for like a year. Like, I think it was like a good year. I was like, yeah, cool. I'm in a good mindset. Everything's fine. And then again, it just hit like a massive slump because real world life came in and I was again, super down and I used my work, like my job as a photographer to like escape heaps from it. Like it was just pretty much like, it got me just like, it, I was good at it. Like, I'm like, okay, this is the only thing I'm good at. I can get this done. I can make like, I can just do this and it makes me happy. And then when the one thing you're good at becomes like your thing that you hate the most, like you start hating your job or whatever, then the slump gets worse. And like, and I think last year, Magro, you probably saw me at my worst. Um, I think there was like three or four months where I literally was just like, 
I was going in and out of like hospitals and stuff and like seeing doctors and stuff, getting things sorted. Um, I had um, a situation last year where I hit the biggest low of my life. Um, I had to actually, I was in Japan and I was probably at my dark and Japan's awesome. If anyone has been to Japan, it's the most beautiful country ever. Um, and I wasn't happy. Like I wasn't happy in like my dream country. And um, I had pretty much like, there was like a thing where I, like, if I didn't leave Japan, I probably wouldn't have come back because I just wasn't feeling safe at all. So I had to book a flight and come back to Sydney because I did not trust myself. Like I knew that if I was still there, I would not trust myself. I'll probably do something stupid or do something that like I probably like would regret or hurt others. So I literally booked myself a ticket, came back and I had to go seek help again. Um, and yeah, it's just like the depression, the anxiety and everything, just like all that stuff just coming together. It makes me go super slumped, but um, I have, and the coolest thing ever is like, I still have it every day. Like it's just normal, but I have really cool friends and family and stuff that I can just talk to about stuff like this. Like I can literally hit up my mate, Dan, as most people know, Dan Brewer. I can literally call him up at like 2 a.m. because we're both night owls. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm feeling crap. Like, what are you up to? And we would literally go to like an internet cafe and play Total War or something or like, or whatever. But like, I like what it is and like my condition. This is one of the things where like, as I said earlier, it's part of me now. Like I... Like, it's pretty much like, you know how, like, on your resume, this is, like, your, like, what you, like, what you get. Like, literally, mine's just, like, super mentally ill. But I look at it as, like, a friend that you get, like, like, you argue with because this mental health, if you can get over it, like, if you can overcome it, even for, like, three months or something, you become such a stronger person because you learn so much about yourself when you do that. Um, So, yeah, like, I... I look at it as, as a friend that you kind of hate, but at the same time, it pushes, it gets that friend that pushes you to do better. And like, if, and honestly, if I didn't have that, if I didn't have this like mental health thing, I would probably be the laziest kid ever. And I probably wouldn't have achieved as much as I did in my career kind of thing. Like I kind of used it as a weapon, if that makes sense. Like I used it as like an ammo kind of thing being like, everyone's like, oh yeah, Mike, I'm super happy. I love life kind of thing. And I was like, nah, like, I'm doing like this is making me motivated to do something to make me happy. So I'm going to work my ass off to get like, so I can overcome this thing. And like, and that's how I became like an, it's like giving an idea with my career. I went from like an assistant to like a full-time photographer in seven months, which was like a record in my business. Like the company that I work for the last time when they hired a photographer, they were working there for a year and a half. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do this. Like, I am motivated. And my mental, if it wasn't for my mental health, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, it was like, pushed me so much. It's so, yeah. awesome that you're able to embrace it. And I think that's, um, for the people that I've worked with in the past, you know, when I say work with, not it's professional, but, you know, friends and family and people who are, you know, in this situation, you know, it, uh, a lot of the time there's, there's certainly challenges when they don't embrace um, or even accept that uh, they, they are having challenges and, and they're not okay and they keep it to themselves. And it sounds like you found a way to to embrace it and to use it to your advantage. Yes, absolutely. There are times where um, where where uh, you're not okay and um, you've shared a few strategies on, on what you can do to improve. But yeah. 
what I'm hearing from both of you is, is that mental health isn't just a light switch. It's not like you're on or you're off. And if you're, if you're not okay, there's no automatic light switch. They just put, you know, you, you know, you eat, eat some candy or, you know, you listen to a song and you're back to a hundred percent. There's this constant battle every day, every minute. Uh, and something as simple as, you know, um, Andrew mentioned Nagash's points change points, gotcha. can be a trigger. That, that can be a trigger to to something and then the dominoes start to affect um, the people, the friends, the community, uh, the people around us uh, from a simple thing um, because yeah. the association that we put towards um, that life event, uh, which uh, it can be trivial, which can be can be quite significant. Well, yeah. it's, the, the thing is, is like, um, it's the, one of the things is like, he uh, uh liam talked a lot how like he views his depression like a friend and i mean i it's very like that's not how i term it but it's very similar for me in that like it's just a thing that's with me always this uh i actually used to call it like uh because of my insomnia i have a lot of uh night terrors and i have like sleep paralysis the parasomnia the classic parasomnia complement yeah. of sleep paralysis night terrors the works i still have them um somebody was like you're over the age of 14 and you still have them that's fucking crazy and i'm like I, I guess. I mean, this is something I've always had. Um, but I write really awesome horror fiction because yeah. I just write about the shit I see in my night terrors. Um, but I've always called it my, like, darkness. Like, I don't think of it like a friend. It's this, like, I just think that I have this, like, tar in the marrow of my bones that's always trying to seep out at yeah. all times. And I'm just fighting to contain it. Uh, and when it comes out, it's almost like fucking venom. Like a symbiote, like, where I just, like, I have to put on the armor and wear it. Um, otherwise it'll consume me. Um, and so like, I've learned to like live with it and embrace it. The thing is, is like when I don't, and one of the things, this is a recent understanding I've had of it because, you know, I've always been depressed. Uh, maybe not always like cosmically speaking, but since I can remember, you know, my mom is bipolar. Uh, she self-medicated. She did not seek help. Uh, I was a punching bag for her and her boyfriends. Uh, literally. Um, and then I ended up in foster care and then I ended up with my grandma who didn't want me. And then I ended up with my aunt who didn't want me. And then I ended up with a different aunt who didn't want me. And then a, uncle, and six different high schools, going, yeah. six different high schools. Yeah. Um, and I never got an even keel. Like just, I was yeah. knocked off. I was knocked down early and often. And part of one of the things like Liam said where his depression kind of motivated him. And then there was another point a little bit earlier, um, how like you hate rigor and uh, 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 like a structure, structure. because yeah. you're in survival mode. For me, it's because I was in survival mode all the time. Like how do you structure surviving, getting the crap kicked out of you? You know, like, like, Oh, it's 10 AM time to get woken up by being punched in the neck by my mom. Who's already drunk. Like you don't, you don't write a schedule for that crap. You just survive. I kept all my crap in garbage bags up until I met Molly. <laughs> like I moved by throwing all my stuff in black trash bags when we're moving like a, a kid, a nursery for a second kid. And like, I'm just like, she's like, Andrew, you haven't packed yet. I'm like, it's okay. Everything in a black trash bag done in one, one, like one hour. Yeah. yeah. Like, because, you know, and, and now that I've gotten older, I used to keep that, like I said, I'd fight to keep it in. And yeah. it took me a long time to realize that like actually letting it out and actually being okay with it was way more productive. 
than hiding it and fighting it and pretending I'm ha I'm happy when I'm not. Like it's okay, and like the average person doesn't have like the full extreme necessary necessarily, and like there's still a stigma around just being sad one day, right? Yeah. Like it's okay, man. Like it really is, and and I I think that's part of what both Liam and I, like we, we, you know, he thinks of his as a friend and I think of mine like this, like arch nemesis that's already inside of me, but we, we use it as a coping to like in our own way. And and so mine is to be a villain too, like create personas, be a wrestling heel, like write horror yeah. stories and stuff like that to, that uses this stuff. Because if I didn't, I would, I would lose it completely. Yeah. Um, and just like uh, one th and like just one other quick thing, like when I was in high school and stuff, like my school, everyone at my school just was like, I wouldn't say like there's some, there were some people in my year, but they were like, they were mentally able. They like declined it and you could see that it affected them heaps. But they're like, no, no, no. Like it's like, I'm, I'm fine. Blah, blah, blah. But you could tell that they're not. And like one of my best friends at the time, like can you not saved me by just saying like, are you okay, dude? Like what's the go? Like just asking that simple question literally made me realize being like because as we talked about like how there's a stigma around it he literally just showed me that he just goes all oh, right like this stigma that you think like that this thing is not it's okay to talk about it which like in, in honesty like six seven years ago it wasn't okay to talk about it like people just looked at you weirdly like everyone's like what the hell is this but like it was such a huge deal when he said are you okay because like that was a huge stepping stone i think for like society to be like yeah this thing that you guys are going through are okay like it is okay which it was like it honestly was like the best fresh of breath air like it was just chill so yeah like i this for anyone who's like seeing something or like or feeling that way and no one's asking are you okay then you need to go seek help because like if you know it but if someone like but if you can see someone's not okay ask them because they're going to say oh yeah yeah i'm okay because that's like the allergic reaction but the fact that you have double checked and they're okay inside, they're like, yes, like people understand that this is, it's okay not to be okay. So yeah, like that's one huge thing that like helped me out when I was going through some stuff. So yeah. And if I could, if I could expand upon that just before I ask my next question, go for it. Asking, asking if somebody is okay, isn't the end. It's, yeah. it's uh, if I say, Liam, are you okay? You know, most people's natural reactions are to go, yeah, I'm fine, and and leave it there. That's it. Um, but if you can tell, you know, online, face-to-face, -face, the behaviour, the language, um, you know, the types of things that this person is doing is a sign and a trigger that it's not okay, um, you know, at least, you know, I'll always push a little bit further. You know, it because because often that can be a smokescreen, and you know they go, you know they go back to doing their own thing, and um, by just I guess pushing people away. Um, so if you, if you know someone's not okay, push push a little bit deeper. Uh, really, you know, challenge them, and you know, you know, it might be the fact that look, you know, I've noticed something a little bit different, or hey, you know, the way you handle that's not always the, you know that's not normal or not something that you would normally do. Um, you know, just, just challenge a little bit is, would be my advice. Um, yeah. Um, with that, with the, with the, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Um, the, the reason we're doing the show today, 
um, is because we are in this this period of festivity where, you know, uh, depending on what religion you, you follow, obviously Christmas is the one that is uh, most prevalent. Uh, but, you know, we're in this season of celebration, whether it's through Thanksgiving, whether it's through Christmas, you know, there's a lot of money being thrown around and people are getting presents and, you know, lots of office parties and family coming together. And, you know, this is generally a time that most people see as a really happy, forgiving, friendly celebratory kind of environment and with the lens of mental health uh, i think you know through this festivity we we see that um there's probably people that get left behind that aren't on that journey of celebration that they are feeling like they're missing out or the financial pressures of not being able to give gifts to their family or their friends or you know not being able to afford the the luxuries of life that uh, others are enjoying and i think that pressure creates this environment of whether it's toxicity or negativity or self, um, you know, like just, you know, impacting the mind. So I guess I wanted to ask you both and, and you know, with the, the lens of, of mental health, like what some of the challenges that you have been through or people like you have been through during this time? Um, uh, Liam, you want to go first or? You go first, man. You're, you're right. the guest. I'm I'm, right. I'm second guest, but technically host as well. All right. Yeah, I um I fucking despise holidays. Uh, every one of them except Halloween. Um, this has been a historic event for me. Throughout, it's just for Christmas for me. Mostly, it meant my mom. Back in the 90s, Christmas bonuses were kind of a big thing. They still happened a lot. So my mom would get a Christmas bonus. She'd blow it on her self-medication, whatever was in fashion at the time. Heroin was really big uh, for her. Um, then we would wake up with no Christmas. Uh, I would go and wrap a stash of things I got the year before for my birthday, give them to my younger siblings, and tell them I was bad that year or whatever. It's, that's why I didn't get anything. Um, and I dreaded every Christmas. Uh, when I lived alone uh, outside of college, uh, I'd put up a tree and decorate shit. I didn't even know it was Christmas. I'd get, I'd get up to go out the house to go like grab a burger or something and fucking forget it was Christmas. Like, I just hate them. Um, this doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to dial it in a different, different perspective. Uh, having my children has made me try. Um, for them, because I'll be damned if they're going to grow up hating holidays. Um, I don't, again, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying go have kids. You're going to have better mental health. That is not the take. Um, but what I am saying is if you, if there's someone that you, you love, you respect you, you, that's in your life. If you can see some of these holidays through their eyes, that empathy with them can help you. And that's what it has taken for me. So, uh, you know, I, I used to hate my birthday. Um, Molly made a point of making it a big deal every year that she's been with me. And so now it's like, it's a fucking meme that it's like, I take the day off of work. I, I, uh, I make a really big deal. She's actually created a goddamn monster. She's basically Frankenstein. I'm Frankenstein's monster. Now it's like, it's my birthday. I'm a total princess about it. But like, uh, like it, it, it's taken, like, I just needed other people to, 
to adjust my perspective. And I've needed a lot of time because of how much I just couldn't stand holidays for so long. I, my favorite holiday was always Thanksgiving growing up because then I got a big meal, um, grew up rather impoverished. So at least I got a big meal. Um, so that was always my f- favorite and I didn't have family. So I never got the like hating family part of it. You know, it was just like, I got a big meal. Cool. That was a good holiday. Um, and then I liked Halloween because I got to put on masks and not be myself. Um, pretty simple. And you get candy, which is also food. Um, against candy, but it's you know, like I, I think about this, and the and the reason I wanted to ask about this is that sometimes in the, actually, I'd say most of the time when we're in this festive season, we're we're so I guess inward reflecting. We think about ourselves. We think about what's happening very very close to us. That um, there are there are people who are not feeling the same way. Um, and it's it's remarkable just hearing your story and hearing some of the feelings and um, uh, it reminds me of actually, so I'd asked um, some people on Twitter and Facebook uh, about their stories or maybe, you know, any questions that they have and I will ask uh, some of the listener questions, but someone was sharing a story with me and I'll keep their names private. Um, you know, one or two people that are very close to them in their Warhammer community have recently gotten divorced. And what they're doing this year is they're actually coming together for Christmas and they're just going to have a meal together uh, because they are in a very similar situation where they might be away from their family and their friends and they're and they're going to use this opportunity not to be a negative experience and, you know, remind themselves of what they're missing out, but to create new memories and new, um, new situations and uh, to improve that quality of life. So, um, I, I love the, the reframing that you've just shared and uh, fascinating about the, the Halloween um, comment. Hmm. It's still the best, by the way. It's it's. I love Halloween. That's why I do a month-long marathon through October. It's just... And part of it's I, I overcompensate. Like, I recognize... I've gotten something I think is the the, vo- the most important thing with mental health is perspective. Um, I did not have perspective when I was younger. It was all inside me, my, I, what this is doing to me. Um, sometimes I didn't even have perspective. I'm just trying to, when you're in survival mode, you're not even, you're not even perceiving, you're not even looking. You're just trying to survive and not take the hit emotionally, physically. You're just trying to survive. Um, It took me through my twenties and into my thirties to like acquire perspective and be able to step outside myself, my situation and like, look at what's going on. Um, So like holidays, like I, I still, man, I, I, like, I, per, I have this like knee jerk kind of hatred of this time of year. Um, not from a like, not like, oh man, fuck you guys for like, like Christmas. Like, it's just this like this this visceral baseline just because of what my brain chemicals have always associated this time of the year with growing up. That I have to consciously say stop look at other people, see how they're enjoying it. And then like feed into that energy a little bit. Or if you, you know, or and then you follow the thumper thing from Bambi. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Because some people do truly love like Christmas and, you know, like, yeah, I could make fun of malls and consumerism and yada, yada, yada. Cause I'm just a sardonic asshole, but I choose to look at my friends who love the holiday. I choose to look at my children I choose to look to to shift my perspective and and find good and it's not always easy but 
you know, I, I like I said, I'm I'm way overcompensating now. So like my house is decorated to shit, um, <laughs> because I I've found things that I do enjoy, um, which is for me, it's always been creating, right? You know, I love Warhammer, Warhammer because whilst I suck at painting, I like creating a narrative with my opponents. I like creating a uh, an army list. I like creating, you know. Um, so I create fucking decorations for the house. I you know, I, I create a memory for my kids. I create a new, uh, tradition, you know, like I just, I find something to put out into the world that, that doesn't keep all my shit inside for one. And for two to like, just change something like, uh, you know, I, I can't personally, I know I won't make it to 50 if I always feed the darkness, you know, uh, like if I always feed that tar in my bones. And so I, I'm just fighting it. Um, and um i know a lot of other people there is a seasonal component right um that that vitamin deficiency yo get yourself a lamp that doesn't work scientifically speaking but the placebo effect does work so if that'll work for you you know get the lamp by all means but like um you know like the sunlight deprivation uh, that happens around this time um a lot of pressure job layoff seasonal layoff is a real thing um like there's a lot of stuff that happens around this time that doesn't even have to relate to like having a terrible mom growing up like there's just there's so many other factors it's different for so many other people and it can really be a struggle for them too and i mean like i said at the the, the beginning of this i'm no medical professional i've just like i've just survived decently <laughs> with with a with a bad hand um and so like anecdotally speaking i just for me, it's been shifting my perspective. Um, and sometimes perspective doesn't help. You know, if you're like, man, I got fucking fired. Now I can't buy Christmas presents for my kids. What perspective can you take to like suddenly be like, fuck yeah, I'm crushing it, yo. Like, I, you know, I, I don't have answers in that respect. Maybe someone else does. But I think part of it is also, you know, it's okay to feel bad. It's just yeah. not. But just remember others along the way, I think, can help you. And they can help put, lift you up too, right? Yeah. 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 I find these kind of seasons and like these holidays, um, when it comes to mental health, the big thing, and we've talked about this before, Magro, where it's this time of the year where people look back at what they've done this year and they get disappointed. Mm. And then when you start like pretty much like, for example, like I had goals of like doing like, I'd like a goal where I had to like, I wanted to be in like three magazines or like four magazines, like really big ones. And like, that's my goal. And then when you like, when you don't reach that goal and then you're already mentally ill, you feel like you have just failed the whole year. Like you just think to yourself, like, what have I done for the past 12 months? And like this kind of thinking and due to like Christmas and stuff, it's like that end of the year kind of thing. You start being like, what the hell am I doing? You start second guessing yourself. But then like, as the festive season comes past then you start thinking about new goals in a way, trying to get out of that ruckus in a way, but like, the reason why festive is like this is like one of the many reasons why this type this time of the year is really bad for mental health is because people start second guessing themselves and they start getting into a really dark place and like they and that's when like and it's kind of like where like new year's revolutions come from it's like new year's revolutions are like a thing where people want to feel good being like oh i'm gonna go to the gym like every two days and let's be honest we do one day and we're done but like it's one of those things where like that's kind of it's like those kind of like mind thinking or goals, it's like chocolate. Like when you have chocolate, you feel good. When you have those kind of things during this time of the year, it's like chocolate where it just makes you feel good for like a short period of time. Um, 
and yeah and like and suicides and stuff and like other things do kind of happen around this year and like and you get shocked when you hear about it because you think because people think christmas and stuff it's all about happy and joy when in real life um or like to some people it's like oh no i'm second guessing myself um so yeah i myself i'm not a huge fan of like these festive seasons because i worked in retail for like four or five years and i see a different view of it i see a very very different view of these kind of holidays um but yeah like it's that's just my personal thing like I, and i don't really want to talk about that because that's not part of the show really but the big no, thing for me I, the big the big I, thing with this it's the mindset is what the festive season is really dangerous for it's because you're in a really dark mindset because you're second guessing yourself yeah, and look, to be honest with you guys, I don't want to dig too deep into people's pasts and histories. That's certainly yeah. not why we're here. But yeah. what I want to, what I'm, what I would like, the goal of this show, I guess, is twofold. The first goal is for people who aren't um, going through any uh, or, or want to have more awareness when it comes to um, mental health. We're hearing from two people who have lived through it, who are dealing with it either currently or they've successfully passed. Uh, they're, they're successfully dealing with it. Dealing with it, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you're you're on a, a progression, or you you are uh, in a uh, I guess a positive light. It's something that we can learn from. Uh, on the flip side, you know, from your journey, you know, there are probably people who are currently struggling today, and yeah. they don't know how to get out of their rut. They don't know how to uh, how to how to tackle uh, that 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 demon that they have, and. Um, I'll very soon want to start asking and understanding how this hobby has really uh, brought joy to your life, um, and and what and, and how you're using it to uh, fight back or to reframe your challenges that you're facing. So, um, yeah, again, not a psychologist. Uh, I will I will though bring up the banner again um, if you bear with me. That just to remind you, if you are going through challenges, uh, if you do need help. Uh, not only is it okay to be okay, is not to be okay, uh, and to ask your friends, your family, your colleagues, your loved ones um, to to have a chat, but there are obviously professionals out there that can help you. So do reach out to whatever point of contact is in your community, your uh, your mental health crisis lines, or um, you know suicide prevention, or uh, whatever issues you're having. There are a whole range of different networks, whether you're trans, uh, whether you are a child, whether you are, uh, you just want to speak to a man and, you know, you want to go through men or women only kind of, there's so much out there. I can't stress how important it is to find help from your friends, your families and professionals. Um, yeah. So yeah. to kind of transition into that, um, so are we going to say something, Mr. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, sometimes you don't always have the tools yourself and so, sometimes not all your friends do. And that's where, like, you need professionals. Like, yeah, uh, I can listen to you. I send me a DM. I've uh, I've since opened my DM since I became a talking head on the Internet. Um, send me a message. I can't really solve any of your problems, but I can listen and I can give some perspective. And I think perspectives become kind of everything. Uh, expectation management and perspective. Those are like the two things that just uh, have helped me a lot. Sometimes you just want to chat. Sometimes yeah, just, just chatting. Just and I think, I think um, Liam mentioned it at two o'clock in the morning, you know, he picks up the phone or, you know, texts somebody, notices on Facebook or Messenger who's online. And, you know, you, maybe you just need to chat. And um, having that friend or that uh, that confidant um, 
you know, and, and it's been wonderful. Everyone in the chat has has basically reinforced what you guys have said. If you want to talk to them, people's lines are always open. Well, I think it's yeah. a money where your mouth is sort of moment. We always talk about this being the best community, and I've seen it for real. Like, you know, but like it, it would be just as easy like for 40k to be like, oh, we have the best community, right? And then like <laughs> it's hollow. There's you know, like, oh, MTG is the best community. Street Fighter, the best community. People can say stuff like that. What, to me, proves it is is these connections, these people in chat that, you know, you did reach out to me when I was having my sort of big breakdown at the beginning of the year. You know, like, that 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 people do care about you in this hobby. Just, I think by the... That's one of the things that just the great questions of the universe is like, why are people so much more awesome in Age of Sigmar than anywhere else? I've been around nerd stuff my whole life. It's just like once you start to like really lean into the community, even if you live in live on an island in like the Pacific Northwest and you just watch content and and share pictures of your models and hang out on Twitter and on Facebook groups and stuff like that, you will make connections that really do help uh with this this hobby as some of that stuff and like don't get me wrong there are people out there they, they just want to see your models on twitter they don't want to talk blah 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 and that's that's on them you know and that's cool um enjoy the things you love the way you enjoy them you know like by all means that's your prerogative but like there are and and that's when we talk about this stuff it's if all you care about is like seeing sweet models and stuff like hell yeah man like i'll share a bunch of my sweet models and keep scrolling scrolling past like my you know what fuck today it all sucks like scroll past that you know but like the other people out there who go yeah you know yeah fuck today it sucks and we'll like have a chit chat we'll blow some steam and we'll like keep going because we we kind of know where each other are coming from in this community and and i think that that's kind of bringing it back a little bit to the age where age of sigmar has been relevant is for me in this community but but yeah sorry not i think we apologize about um liam how do i start a conversation when i'm not okay if i'm someone who's struggling if i'm feeling the pressures of of the festive season and um or, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be the festive season. It's just, it's just as you pointed out, a time where uh, these emotions can really be ramped up to 11 because, you know, the fear of failure of not achieving my goals or, you know, the, the fear of missing out because others around me have more of what I want um, or whatever it might be. H how do I... How do I start that conversation with that friend or that family um, or that community or even profession a professional? Um, so one thing I so first things first, you need to like work out the signs of like if you are like, is it this or like is it anxiety or is it like that? Like first work it out, just like work out like how you're feeling. Um so because when you start this conversation, you have to describe how you're feeling. Because you can't just be like, oh, I'm feeling crap. And they go like, well, what are you feeling? Like, is it like, are you eating? Are you doing this? And if it's like all that stuff, then they stop. And some of you may be like, okay, cool. Like this, it's not, I'm not saying they're professionals or anything, but they can kind of get a little bit of a grasp of like what's going on in your headspace. Um, but one thing is you just got to work out like who is the friend or who's that family member that you can talk to. So first things first, you kind of like got to like work out a list in your head of like, who are my go-to people to talk to quickly about this? So, like, let's say, for example, um, 
top person I can think of is Dan Brewer, right? So let's just say like I'm fresh. Like I'm like, I just had this and my best friend is Dan Brewer. I would literally have to hit him up. I would literally just be like this. Like, hey man, like, how are you going? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? And I'd be like, hey man, like, look, I'm not that great at the moment. I'm currently just like feeling a bit of like a slump and everything. You just kind of like describe how you're feeling. And then your mate could easily be like, oh, that really sucks. Like, um, and you make could and the thing is that you make it go two ways. It's kind of be like, I would recommend to go seek help or they'd be happy to just listen. Right. If your mate goes, oh, I would recommend seek help kind of thing. And it's not like, and this is really important when, if you're that friend is don't make it sound like you're palming them off. Just being like, Hey, I don't think I'm the best person for advice, but I'm happy to listen because again, you want professional help. You don't really want like a backstreet doctor. Like you just want like, someone who like can help help and build strategies um and like your mates and like the fact that you now like you just need to tell your mate that you're not feeling well because then they can now know that like if you want to hang out with them it's like for the distraction or for a coping mechanism so the fact that i've had this conversation with dan um if i ever hit him up be like hey man like can we hang out he'll know okay cool Liam must not feeling well let's go play switch or let's go do some painting sessions at the local gw store like let's do something like this so like this conversation that you just started has now like opened up yourself as like it's a way to cope to be like okay cool if I'm feeling down I can go to my friend and talk or just like distract. When it comes to family, you can literally be like hey mom or hey uncle or whatever like um like I'm not feeling well kind of thing. They will always be welcome to be like most of your family will probably just like if your family is like this like I know mine will be like oh do you want to come over for dinner and like. Or like, or do you want to go to the pub or something or whatever and do this and that? Like, it's like, and the most important thing when you do this, it's don't use this as like, oh, this is my cure is like, all I have to do is like hit these people up and I'm good. Like, these are just a way to cope while you're getting your strategy sorted. Because when they say, oh, okay, cool. Because what you got to do is during this time is you're going to seek professional help after like, not immediately, but like when you're comfortable enough to talk to a stranger about it. Because, like, it's not the easiest to talk about how you're feeling to a complete stranger that you've met in the first 30 seconds. Um, so, yeah. And, like, in Australia, what we can do um, is you go to your GP and you explain how you're feeling. And they'll give you a test. Like, they're giving you, like, a how you're feeling test. Like, do you feel like this? Yes or no? Or do you strongly agree with this? It's this weird test that they do, which it's not perfect but it kind of puts you in a category of like do you need to go see like do you need to go to a specialist like um facility like do you need to go to a psych ward or do you need to do whatever um and then we have this thing in australia called a mental health plan which covers like five sessions um like not all of them but like a few like cuts the cost of seeing a psychologist quite dramatically from like a 300 dollars session to like 100 or whatever like it depending where you go but it yeah. cuts off quite a bit um, and then you do that and then you do like five, six sessions. And then this is how just having that first conversation with your friend. Now you've built the confidence to now start talking to people about it. Like I'm not saying publicly, but like to a stranger and that's how you go about it. Really? Like you first start off finding your friend, that you can trust and someone who, you know, that just won't be like going up to everybody. Like, oh, like Liam's depressed or like Liam's blah, blah, blah. Um, you need to, like, you need to know that friend enough that like you go cool i am trusting you with this if there isn't anyone call those helplines that we called before yeah. because you're, it's not you're not alone because it's not face to face and as we've mentioned before you can do it online you can type 
or whatever because i know there's some cases right and when i was and i did this when i was a teenager i didn't want to be on the phone to someone in case my parents heard me talking about that i'm depressed because then you don't want them to get worried kind of thing so i did it like online being like hey blah blah and making it sound like that i'm on facebook like yeah. that's that's something and just that is just starting that conversation you start then talking to someone professionally and then you have worked out a strategy like like you then feel the confidence to do it and then you probably turn out like me and andrew where you feel confident to talk about it to the open world on the yeah no, and like throw it on blast now yeah, yeah, yeah like, guys, like kobe just behind the arc man throwing it like out. like i i can say this right now is like if i didn't have these conversations with people and I wouldn't be like what I am today where I'm, a, I wouldn't say I'm a life coach or anything like that, but like I have people at my workplace. I have people, I have some of my assistants and a few other people, they know that like they can come to me and they know that like I can listen. I, I don't, I don't give life advice. Like I'm not like a professional, but with my life experience, I can be like, Hey, like if you're feeling like this, can I ask you this? Like, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you doing this? And they go, Oh no, I'm not. I'm like, okay, cool. What you're gonna do is you're gonna do this. You not like you don't need a full meal. You just need a snack, or you need that. Like I can just be like I can just give them little strategies from what I've learned from my personal experience, and they can take like and I'm like this. I'm like it's up to you if you take this on, but like this is my little tips I can give you, and like this is all started from when I just had a conversation with someone, being like, hey, I'm not feeling well. This is how I'm feeling. Just a heads up. Like, it's not even like you expect them to cure you. You just go, just a heads up, this is how I'm feeling. And then everything, it gets, I wouldn't say it gets perfect, but it gets better. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you um when you mentioned, like, eating, sleeping, stuff like that, um, this ties into, like, something mentioned earlier, fighting the physical. stigma. Physical. It's your, yeah. your, your mental state is tied to your phys physical body. Your brain is physical, everybody. Spoiler. Yeah. Like... If you're not eating, sleeping, yada, 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 if, if uh, you know, those are things that you can change physically mm -hmm. as a, as a decent quick start. Like there's a difference between change, like having a different meal and changing your diet, just one quick solid meal on a day when I, I, I actually call it the Zen burrito. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have this concept of the Zen burrito. I have like a like a go-to meal at, at uh, Qdoba, which is the make your own burrito chain. Thing. Yeah. Like where it's uh, based on an onion article. The onion article for six minutes, uh, man won't give a fuck about the world or something like that. And while he eats delicious burrito. And that's where like, have a good meal, you know, have, like take a nap, you know, like it, it's it's fine to, to, to change some of these physical states to change your behavior. But Back to kind of what you were saying about starting the conversation to rewind a little bit. Um, I have a, a sector of friends that, oh, that's just Andrew being Andrew again. You know, like those aren't the people I'll talk to when I, I'm being quote unquote Andrew again. Right. Like um, you, I think the first step though, is doing like a quick self-diagnostic where you go, is this, the normal type of, you know, like I'm upset that I messed up at work, you know, or is this that going to continue once I leave work, right? Like what you have to kind of run a self check on what, where you're at and then start the, that conversation. Exactly how Liam said. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, uh, 
I always believe that what the mind harbors, the body manifests. And um, it's, you know, I, I think about, and this is clearly a non-mental health uh, situation, but, you know, I'm sure we're all in a situation where we wanted to exercise or maybe go to the gym. And, um, you know, you don't feel like going to the gym. You don't feel like going to the gym. And somehow you convince yourself, you're like, look, I'm just going to go for 10 minutes. And you, you convince yourself to change. You get to the gym and you go, look, I'm going to do 10, 15 minutes maybe on the bike. And what you find is that you don't, um, you don't just do the 15 minutes like you initially agreed upon. You probably do that 45 minutes to an hour workout. And the reason for that is because those endorphins that are happening in your brain will start to override the feelings of, of, of negativity in your body. Uh, and, you know, you really start to lift. So that mind and body are, are very much interconnected. And, you know, you guys have mentioned earlier about, you know, using music to, to drown out that self-talk. You've talked about food and sleep. And um, if you're finding an imbalance, uh, you know, through your physiology, uh, it's often going to uh, negatively impact your emotions. So even looking for those triggers, um, are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you well rested? Are you, um, you know, these all yeah. play a huge part. But um, one thing that brings you both to me today is is the love of the hobby. And um, whether it's the painting, the wargaming, the community mm -hmm. element that happens in between our games, um, I wanted to ask how has the Warhammer hobby impacted your mental health? Um, what has it brought to the table for you all? Um, for me, it has been a lot of the community. Um, isolation has been, a, has been a big component of my mental health. Um, you know, you, a lot of the stories I did share is usually a, a story of like being isolated, being removed, being abandoned. Um, isolation is a big problem for me. Um, so much so it becomes my one of my go-to strategies when I feel like crap is I fucking isolate myself from everybody, uh, family, loved ones. Um, focusing on the community aspect of Age of Sigmar has like built bridges off of my tiny little like island. I know that I've got these little like es expressways where I don't have to like stay on my island and deal with my shit. I can just be like, you know what's really awesome? Fucking Nagash. Let's talk about Nagash. And I talk, you know, like, you know, I, I can get these little like these little bridges off of my island with this hobby. Um, you know, I, I have a bit of a take on like faction loyalty. And there's a couple outliers out there that don't have like a faction loyalty. And I'm just like, you're weird. You're a weird person. But like, um, I've noticed that like Age of Sigmar players have like, like their faction loyalty. Like I'm death player through and through. Love my uh, you know death army uh, coach. You've got your uh, gets a little bit, but certainly empire, right? Like empire, empire, um, and then like like everyone, everyone's got their like little faction. Orc players are always orc players are always orc players. Like they're just, I think they're the most token faction loyal in the entire world. Uh, followed strangely by probably corn. Actually, like corn players seem to be like live, breathe, die corn. Um, but like. But, like, I, I find that because you have this thing that means a lot to you. Warhammer means a lot to me. But you have these, like, innocuous conversations that have a lot of emotion in them, that have a lot of joy in them, or anger, too. Like, fuck Sigmar, that guy sucks. Like, <laughs> you uh, you can have these, like, these connected conversations that have a lot of emotional 
enrichment one way or other get out the bad feelings get like bring in the good feelings do the whole the whole gamut you're able to get outside of yourself when you get in that cycle for me or that spiral i can feel it coming on and i go you know I, you know i feel the spiral coming on um you know what i'm gonna paint a model which is something i'm consciously trying to get a lot better at so that's something i've been recently focusing on is hobby specifically like i want to paint a model now like um the problem with like writing as a strategy for me for getting outside of my negative state is like yeah i create something but usually i'm locked inside my head with myself when i write a story like it's just me and all the voices inside like having a fucking conversation and that's not good the thing that the hobby does is it provides other people it's not just you in age of sigmar it's everybody else in age of sigmar yeah and before and I I, really, I, yeah yeah and before i hear from liam i just want to call out re-rolling ones jack it said, you know, the, the community is my favorite part of the hobby. 95% of the interactions have been positive ones. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I've, um, uh, I've traveled to, to England to blood and glory. I went to Adepticon. Um, I've, and Liam, I know you went to New Zealand. Um, I, I've traveled around uh, the country so much. And even before I was a hashtag content creator, when I went to England, <laughs> no, but even when, when, no, but even when I went to England, I, I, I hadn't even start this channel. This was actually prior to England. Um, uh, this is a long that, time ago. Yeah, it was. I, I think I went to, to Blood and Glory 2017. So this was before yeah. I, I was I was anybody. I don't think I even had a Twitter. But no, you had you, you definitely had a Twitter. Did I? You definitely I, had a Twitter. I, I remember. Okay. All right. Well, either way, the point was, was that, you know, going over to these communities have just fully embraced, you know, they're just like, we've got this commonality, this love of the hobby, and it doesn't matter what uh, political side you're on or my sexual orientation or doesn't matter. The fact is we're all here. We love a game of Warhammer and the community embraces one another. Yeah, we, we banter and shit talk about, you know, Nagash being hot garbage because Sigmar is the best. But very much there is this 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 love. And I think the community is wonderful. Um, Liam, how has this hobby impacted your mental health? Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like this hobby... Like I, the big thing that helps me cope is the painting. Um, that's the big part. And it's like impact because it calms me down. Um, I'm very much like, how do we describe, we described this at my work Christmas party last night where I'm a, I think it's like introvert, extrovert, where I am super happy to be like, I hands down am a like massive introvert most of the time. And then if I need to be like an extrovert, like for example, in twenties and events, I can be. Like, like we know that like I'm a character at events, like Anthony sometimes is like, shut the hell up, Liam. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. No problem. Um, we have these conversations a lot, but like with me being introverted. We're, we're, we're like a married couple now. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, adorable, people, by the way. I'm told. People, people, <laughs> people love it. But um, we have like, I, with me being an introvert, I enjoy the painting side where I get to be like headphones on, silent, like. I have like noise canceling headphones. I can watch my anime or whatever while I paint. I'm in my own little world. Um, my current new partner hates it because I don't reply to her messages within 45 minutes, but um, it's my escape kind of thing. Like I get to escape, I get to chill and I get to forget about my work problems and everything because of it. Um, and the one thing about it is, as we mentioned before, is community. Um, 
I have not like when I left high school. So like when I left high school, I had like during high school, I had there was 210 kids in my year. It's a pretty big year. And like so it was like 200 boys in my school. Um it was and to give you an idea, like I was friends with people, but I only had like one true friend. Like I only had like one friend. And then when I left high school, I became a nightclub photographer and I had multiple friends from like different nightclubs and stuff. Like you become a social butterfly, you just do whatever, you go to different groups. And then like again, I look back at it and I'm like, and I'm like, I only had like one or two true friends then. And then what this hobby's done in especially our community in Sydney is I have now found a group of people where I can call them like pretty much my second family, which is rare. Like you, like, like I can call clan filth and even like some of the D3 mortal wound guys that I hang out with sometimes family. Like I know that like, if I'm having a rough time or whatever, I have a group of 10 plus people that I can go up to and be like, Hey guys, I feel like crap. And then, like, same thing with Magro. Like, this community, like, if I didn't get to meet Magro, Magro couldn't hear me vent last year being like, this is shit um, and stuff. So, like, this hobby has opened up a window because, and this is a huge thing, is because this hobby has, in like, has attracted like-minded people. Like, I wouldn't say we have the same politician views or everything or, like, that we think that this Rogue One is the best Star Wars ever made. But, like, we have, yeah, like, as I said, like, we have... <laughs> Like everyone has different views. No comment. Like we have, but like the thing is that the community has different views, but we still attract like-minded people that they understand what you're going through. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like we're not exactly, I'm not saying we're clones where we're like, oh, we're the same human, but we all go, you know what? I'm like, I understand your situation a little bit better compared to someone that you probably like know from work. Like if I compare my nerd friends and my workmates like hundred percent, like even though my workmates were all photographers, we're all creators. Like we are, everyone's like, oh yeah, photographers are all the same. But I like, I'm like, hell no, we're not. Like we are complete opposite. Like to give you an idea at my workplace, there is 11 photographers in my team. I only get along with one of them. Like there is 11 other photographers who are creators and I only get along with one of them. So like the fact that like this community, I get along with more than just one person. And like they are understand what you are, and like Clanfield, for example, these guys that they're just like Liam. If you need anything, if you need us to play a game, or if you want to do a painting session, or you need to do anything, we'll meet you at blah 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 store. And like, well, I'm like, hey guys, I'm feeling like shit. Can we do a hobby day? Within 20 minutes, we're in the city store painting. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's like this. The hobby has introduced me to a community. And like I know there's gonna be some people who are like have like communities that aren't like this, and but the online presence as well. Like I have people from the UK. Uh, I remember I don't know if you guys remember, but like I think it was like three or four months ago, I was in hospital due to I couldn't like I struggled with like sleep and like I couldn't like I had a really bad like health thing where I just my whole heart and everything was just fucked. Um, and the fact that I had people from all over the world just be like, are "You okay?" Like, even like two weeks after, I had people message me being like, hey, how are you going? Like, are you getting better? Like, what's the go? Like, is there anything we can do? And I was like, ah, oh, I'm sweet. But, like, that there is huge. Yeah. Like, the, and it's all because of this one hobby. Like, so, yeah, it's pretty killer. I have a hypothesis. But yeah. That, like... Um, I love a hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. I think because there's a creative component to the game, 
even though you might not have the like the pure hobbyists, like you have people who like paint to just get their army on on the table. And I'm I'm very much have traditionally been in that category. I'm trying to step up my hobby game now. Um, like it it forces you into a certain mindset when you're painting, regardless of if if, if it's task based or creative based, because it doesn't need to be all about like my feelsies when I do art. You know, it can just be like I'm trying to complete the task. But it still forces you into a certain headspace. And I think because we often end up in a similar headspace as a person who has to put models together and to play the game and stuff like that, I think that forces you into a certain headspace where you you just jive with people a little bit better. If that makes it's it's a thin hypothesis, but I think there's something to be said for that. The other component of that, and someone brought up DD a little bit earlier here, Manny. Yeah, in chat, they've done some really serious studies about Dungeons and Dragons uh, in terms of like empathy in humans. Like, empathy is one of those things that like, like you have to just like develop. You can't, you, you don't just like start with empathy. Children actually are like kind of little tiny monsters. They 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 don't have like a filter. They they are only about like their immediate needs, and they constantly misconstrue what their needs are. Uh, they're basically tiny psychopaths. Um, <laughs> at like you develop empathy. It's it's something you 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 develop over time. Um, upbringing, brain your brain just natural development pay, uh, plays into it. Um, but they've done a ton of studies on how D and D helps uh, kids uh, and especially children on the spectrum develop. Uh, in in like a sort of em empathic uh, capacity, so I think there's also I think we see some of that that D and D um, sort of developmental qualities in Age of Sigmar because there is a lore component. There is a you you're not maybe playing a single character, but when you play an army, you have a whether you realize it or not, you have a persona that becomes attached with that. If you're playing orcs, you're gonna get in their face and smash them. You know, like a, you you take on a persona on the table. Uh, because the game is actually in a pretty great state, uh, you know, some people might pan it for various reasons, but when it gets right down to it, if you step back and look at it, the game, most armies play the way the army should play, you know? So you, I, yeah. I would argue that happens at the hobby start. Like when you start the very first time and you pick that color scheme, and I've said it a few times yeah. this week where um, uh, one of the players in the Sydney community has painted up a grot army and his grots were purple or blue skin. Now, I don't, I don't want to put him in a bucket and say that's not normal, but it's clear that, you know, the box art is that a, a grot is green. Well, what's, so what's, yeah. I was going to say, what's, what's the decision and what's the story behind it? Why did, why did you do what you did? And, um, you know, by asking the question as well, I get to hear that expression of creativity and that personality persona coming out and, you know, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and um, I think we are very fortunate that we have these tie-ins to express who we are and, and, and what we are, and um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you just I think because you have and and again, like you have that pure competitive. Like we see a lot of players coming over from like MTG, um, and you know I actually have a couple of them that message me. Um, I'm sure Haywo's got even more that message him about how to make the transition from MTG to AOS. And I'm like, the first thing you need to recognize is the players here are different. Um, you know, in, AO, in in MTG, usually if you think someone's nickel and diming you, they might be. Here it's 
usually just someone really did forget their rules. You know, like it's it's just it's a it's a little bit different. I'm sure there's there's layers to it as you get on top tables and so on and so forth. But you're when you first come over here, you are not a top tier table player, so worry about that later. Um, when you come over here, you need to like you're gonna even if you start playing it like competitive, I'm gonna bust people's chops. You still have to make you still gonna make your army. You're still gonna pick your army. You know, you're still gonna unintentionally develop a persona, make a connection, and kind of put yourself out on the table. And I think that's something that you don't see in other in other games as directly. D and D is another is an easy parallel, but once we start talking about other table tabletop games, I don't think you see that as much. Yeah. And, and, you know, Berserkers had made a good point that uh, interesting armies are always uh, a good conversation starter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I forced it at Sydney GT. Um, every year I force it by uh, providing one tournament point um, for people who put named characters in their list. I'm not talking about Alariel and Durthu. I'm talking about you going in and physically naming each of your little lords and ladies. And for me, that's an important expression because... I want to know more about someone's army and I want to know the narrative just so it's not just a competitive smash and grab. So, um, okay. So I would have gotten a tournament point for my necromancer, Rasputin Lancaster. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Last, last year, I remember, I think it was Sam Morgan, uh, or, or it was, um, Hayden Walker had named all of his, uh, uh, hag Queens, like different African American female gangster rappers. So I think it was like, that was, uh, Hayden. I was, I was it was Hayden. It was beautiful. But, you know, like if, if an opponent comes to me and has, you know, five hag queens and, you know, you know like uh, I'm not going to try to pretend that I, I know rap, but like it, that's a conversation starter. It's a bit of a lulls, but it's also uh, a great way to start the game. So um, we had like one guy this year who had like a paragraph name and oh, like, gosh, yeah, like, but like <laughs> it, was it was literally like, a paragraph. It was literally a paragraph. Yeah. It was a paragraph name, but like it was just one of those things where like you have that conversation. So I'd be like, "What made you think that?" It just goes, "Oh, like I just thought it'd be really funny and cool." I'm like, okay, cool. Now, yeah. since you had to change our formatting time, we're gonna make you say this like name every time you cast a spell. But like it was kind of that fun thing because like you kind of like you kind of know that he was just having a bit of fun and it was like his cool little escape, and he had even had more fun doing that. But um, one thing to bring up with colors and stuff, Mago. I know there's some people who use the same color scheme because they interact, like they relate to that color quite a lot like we always know and we always joke around about this still in my gaming group where i am like the king of pink like i always need to have pink in my army um and it's this weird thing where like i find pink one of those colors which it's just like it's like one of those things where it's like a bright happy color in my mind like cherry blossom pink because i really like cherry blossoms so like i have to have japan again particular things yeah yeah so like everything in my army all my armies have to have a bit of pink in it and it's just kind of like, yeah, but, um, purple for me, yeah. it's I've just, purple. I've just done purple. I just gone into purple. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like what the hobby is with me with mental health. Um, but it has helped me out heaps of my journey. Do you think because there is that emotional connection with your models and stuff like that, picking the colors, uh, coming up with sweet names, building a list, you know, do you think because those those emotional connector uh, connections, whether intentional or not, are factors in in the mental health side of it? Because you do yeah. have an emotional component in, in invested in the game. 
Yeah, like I I know for a fact, but like let's say like for Sylvaneth, for example, was like my first army getting back into it. Um and like redoing it as well. And like and it was kind of cool because like we compare like when I first came into the hobby, back into the hobby as like a kid, um, and using those particular colors, like the pinks and stuff, and I went for like a really bright color scheme, like it was really pale pinks and stuff. And like looking back at it, that's probably when I was like really like I was really happy in my life, and that's kind of colors I picked. And then when I redid my Silvernef, and we and like Magro see my new Silvernef, it's a lot darker. Like I went from like super bright to like darker. And I'm not saying it's because like over time when I got into hobby, I was depressed. But over time with the hobby, I feel way more comfortable showing that I have a darker side color palette. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like. Like, if I went from, like, a really dark monochrome scheme straight away, everyone's like, what is this kid doing? Like, is he, like, straight up? But since I feel comfortable enough to go for a darker scheme and stuff, um, and, like, I'm comfortable being like, yeah, like, I have a darker color taste and darker side, and I'm happy to showcase it on my armies and stuff. Um, yeah, and, like, all my armies afterwards have been darker. It's because I feel comfortable enough emotionally to show off that like I have a darker color palette, darker side. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely comes to it. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And that's, yeah, that's just me. And there's a few other people who are like that. Like um, we have one guy in Queensland who uses the same three colors. Like all his armies are the three colors. Like there's not been, and I think Magro knows the guy that I'm talking about, yep. where it's just, it's just the three colors. Like he goes, I'm starting a new army and you immediately know like you already visually can tell what his army is going to look like. Yeah. Like you already know what it, you know the colors and everything. But that's those are colors that he emotionally interacts with. He said he jokes around saying, "Oh, they're the only colors I have," but he is like attached to those colors because one, they make him feel good when he paints those colors, and he's really good at it. And yeah, like it's definitely a huge part of it because it makes him feel good. Well, there's an identity associated with it too. You're like, this is my army, you know. And when anyone yeah. validates the army, they validate you. Like you go, yeah, this is my army with my colors. Yeah. And they go, those colors look great. They're saying you look great. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's literally like he does really good job of these colors. And you tell him, like, these are really cool colors. And he knows mm -hmm. that. So he just goes, Cool. Yep. This is this is the thing. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I certainly felt that um when i did my grots and um i put little mushroom hats so for anyone who hasn't seen my grots um i mentioned that i painted the hoods uh, a certain color red blue or purple and what i had done was then just put little little tiny white dots um to stimulate uh, a mushroom effect on the hats and the amount of people like oh my god that's amazing um you know and i'm like was it creatively the, the best executed no uh but they visually looked really really good on the table and that validation of, you know, that is something that's unique. It's now owned by me um, and, and people really enjoy it. You know, it, it makes you feel really good. It makes you feel special. And, um, you know, when, they, when you then go see people replicate it, uh, it's, it's great to know that you started a trend through, through your creativity, that validation that you mentioned. So um, before we move on, I just want to call out, and, and I was looking at my phone really rudely before because I want to call out that particular player's uh, character name that's literally a paragraph. So it's uh, Suffixulence, or I'll, I'll mispronounce that one. 
um, the Grand Illuminata, Bane of the Shadow, Arch Priest of the Scourge, Entropic, Festering Claw of the Dark, Architect of Decay, First of Many, Chosen of the Clan of... Oh, this is massive. It's huge. It's it's a huge one. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, uh, that was an expression of that person. So uh, I think it's amazing. And this, this hobby uh, has probably helped so many people. I'll, I'll share one of my personal stories, and that is... Um, Probably like many people, uh, we we started the hobby when we were young. We fell out uh, for a period of time when we chased girls, university, dry, you know, alcohols or, um, you know, like just, you know, driving around, being cool, like whatever, whatever it is that you do, people drop out for a little bit. And I have a model that was given to me by probably one of my closest, dearest uh, friends, Deke. Uh, the Lord of Death himself. Um, Deke and I got into the hobby when we were really young. In fact, I got him into it when I think we were like 13. But during 8th edition or 7th edition, I dropped out and he had given me a model. He had given me an Empire Standard Bearer, a metal one with his beautiful flag, and he gave it to me as a birthday present. And uh, I dropped out of the hobby at that stage. Um, but to him, the, the, the connection of Warhammer was super important because we would play on weekends. We would, you know, hang out and talk Warhammer. And that part of our lives had disappeared. And he'd given me this model that, I, that even though I wasn't playing, I always kept in the blister pack. And uh, when he, and, and he just kept going at me. He just, he was vicious. He would just constantly harass me about playing Warhammer again. And I jumped back in in 8th edition, um, you know, after like a year or two's disappearance. Um, while I was at university, but I always had that model. And then when I come back, um, that was a critical piece. And then I painted it up, I put it in my army and I still have it to this day, even though it's a pain in the ass and it's a metal flag and it always falls over. The, the fact that that, that that model has a story and you know that, that, that friend kept persisting because it was more than just a game. It was a, uh, it was a token of our relationship and, um, I'm very thankful for that one single purchase decision. So, um, and obviously that led to me meeting Liam and then it's led to me meeting you. So this one, one domino has, has triggered this amazing, I guess, story. And I guess, you know, series of events that have occurred later. Well, we, we talked about the mental health is physical, right? Like it's your brain exists. I think that the, that physical nature of our game, which is almost like it can't be replicated in a in a digital sense per se. You take photos of it, cool. But like, I haven't seen like a Total Warhammer is great, but it's not Age of Sigmar. You know, like it's not the same game, right? Um, there's a the the game is physical too, and so it's just it's reinforcing the the, phys, the physicality of relationships and 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 our, our mental state and stuff like that. It's, it's, per, it's, it's creating little like totems essentially uh, and tokens of our relationships and how we feel and how we connect to people. I think that's because it's, it's that cyclical reinforcement of a physical state. I think that's part of why it helps the mental health so much. Whereas like I talked about, like when I write stories, like I, yeah, I, I tell a story and I'm creating something, which I need to do as a, just a human. That's how I align myself. Like, but like I'm I'm like locked in my own space. When I make when I paint a model, like I'm taking what's inside and I'm putting it out there. You know, um, part of I, something I didn't mention I probably should have just been men mentioning constantly is making rant cast has also been really good for my mental health. It's yeah. it's given me something to give back to the community. 
which is part of like where I'm like, okay, like I, you know, I love this community and that's my sort of money where my mouth is moment. Like if I love the community so much, well, if you love the community so much, why don't you just bury it? Well, I did. I gave it rant fast, which is my engagement. Rant. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and you, know, don't, you don't have to be a content creator to, to love the community. No, that, no, that, no. That was a me thing. I need to create. That was part no, of it. No, for sure. For sure. I just want to, you know, like, you know, just getting involved and, um, you know, um, if you're someone who's sitting and going, I don't have this community, I don't have this network, the easiest way to do it is to get on Instagram or to get onto Facebook or to get onto uh, Twitter. And, you know, even if you are, you know, building your professional brand or your hobby brand, just liking, commenting and engaging with other people, yes. you will build this network. You know, people just didn't jump on a Twitter and show their pictures and, and, and you know, I'm amazing. No, it's the engagement and, and and finding the common interests and building relationships that come over time. Liam and I met, um, I think the first time we properly really got to know each other was um, there was, was a, a tournament Cube. called. Uh, I, mean, I mean, we got to know each other at Games Cube and, you know, we got to meet each other at Warhammer. We played games. and But, you know, when did I really get to know? There was, there was random interactions throughout through the early years of Sigma. But we got to know each other on a trip where we both travelled to a tournament, BrizzCon, in 2017. You know, we, yeah. we didn't travel together, we didn't stay together, but we 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 met at an event and we, you know, over these, I guess what I'm trying to say is that over a series of interactions, you know, I'm like, oh, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know that guy. And slowly our relationship built, 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 and we got talking more and more and more. And over time, you know, the, the garden has bloomed and, you know, we have a great relationship and that's not just, this is just one of many. So getting yourself involved, whether it's attending events, going and sitting in your local games workshop or your local uh, gaming store and painting and, you know, getting to know the people in your community or, you know, following people and then liking them and commenting on them over time that, that, that will reap its rewards and you will build an amazing community around you. So, um, and that's obviously on top of the physical people that are around you. So, um, well, this is like uh, where I, I advocate a lot getting to a tournament. You know, um, I, I'm talking to like the new player or the person who's like locked in his LGS when I say that a lot is like, do yourself a favor. Uh, I, and I know it's not financially speaking, travel wise, like you, you may live in like a sort of tournament desert. Uh, it's got to be like a freaking life goal at that point to get to a tournament. But like, if you love the game, yeah, put it on your calendar three, four years down, you know, buy one less six pack of beer every week or whatever your vice is. Uh, one less box of, of uh, those chaos, those sick ass chaos warrior models that you know you're not going to paint. You're just buying them because they look great. Um, save up for a ticket. Go to a go to a tournament because you're going to you're going to meet some people that you might that might not have come into your circle um, organically, you know, through just the standard Twitter interactions. That being said. Um, you don't have to go to a tournament. That's just, I just think it's a really good, like, you know, some people go to Disneyland. A tournament is our Disneyland as a, as an Age of Sigmar player, right? Like, um, but you can still form really great bonds. Uh, Tomb King, Tristan, for instance, uh, he wasn't in chat here, but he, he his name came up earlier, uh, Tristan Gray. Uh, him and I have never met, but, like, we have a very strong, like, connection and friendship just from, like, talking on Twitter, ending up in the same discords, the same chats all the time. Like we see each other in all the same little like 
content creator circles. You know, uh, he's a, a moderator over on the Honest Wargamer. He goes in. Uh, I say some. I talk shit about Cetra. Get temporary banned from the chat for like ninety seconds. It's part of our rapport. Like you can build very strong connections without some of that other stuff that I. Like just because I talked about you know all oh, make content and all that stuff, you can you can form these really great connections just by just by being part of the community, being active on Twitter, Instagram, uh, going into Warhammer weekly chat yeah. occasion, you know, talking just talking to people, just being around, and then people start to recognize you, and you tend to like again, you've got your faction loyalties, which you'll you'll build some bonds that way. Um, and then like you'll find out that you have something in common, a favorite band in common with somebody. Um uh, being a mental health proponent, you know, like you'll find that you have those extra connections and that's when you form these like wrestling, for instance, AOS coach and I, like we kind of bonded over that with his Brahma bolt tattoo. Um, like you're, you, you're gonna, you form those extra connections and then you really, you really start to like really get a foothold in the community. That's when, when you really make some real lasting friends. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I can happily say, I have probably made friends for life from this hobby. Like, like the fact that like one of the couple of the clan filth guys are coming over to my place for uh, Christmas because, um, cause they just don't have anywhere to go for Christmas really. So I'm like, yeah, come along, like hang out with my family Christmas, like similar to what you said before, you just go cool. And yeah, it's just really awesome community and it does help heaps. By, by the um, way, can I just rudely interrupt you and uh, get you to share the story of how Clan Fourth, Clan Filth was was born? Because this is a really interesting one, um, and I think uh, people probably have similar stories in their own life. But it, it's a fascinating one, at least to me. Um, so Clan Filth was interesting because it we have what is it? He it was just this thing where like. Originally, it was a group of four people, um, and I wasn't and I wasn't in it. Club? Is it a club? Is it a? It's it's a gaming group that we don't have like a gaming venue. Let's say like we're happy to play anywhere, mm-hmm. but we've been very well known in Australia as like one of the top competitive teams. However, it's weird because we're also the most like we most of the time are super supportive of each other. There's times where we're not, but then we like slap each other and be like, "Let's wake up and let's get back into what we're good at." Um, but we, they, it was a group of four guys who hung out at one store and they didn't know each other at all till this, um, like till AOS started. And then, then Dan Brewer and myself, we started playing in the city heaps and we got to hang out heaps. And then we all went to the first CanCon of AOS and then we got talking and we, cause we saw each other heaps around Sydney we got talking and stuff. And then, and then we started a slow grow as a thing because we all wanted one injector where we wanted to do a new army. So we started let's do a slow grow, and then we started playing more and more. And then we started realizing like, hey, we get along really well. Let's go travel together to Brizhammer or like a Brizcon. So we started traveling to that event, and we did that together. And that was like the first trip where we like got to hang out together. And then again, we got to know each other. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do this other event together up in Queensland. And we started traveling. And literally, it was this kind of thing where like when. Clan Filth went, if we saw an event, we would all be like, let's go guys, let's go. And then we became super supportive and we always were next to each other. And like Anthony probably saw this, like when one of our team members were playing games, we would be next to them, supporting them. We weren't telling them what to do. <laughs> we would literally be like, 
We'll literally be like, hey, man, you can do this. And we like, it'll be like fist bumping or high fiving or get them drinks or whatever. And it was like a super support. Like, we're super supportive when it comes to that. Like <laughs> when when Matt won CanCon, we all ran up to him and just high fived him and cheered because we're like, what the hell just happened? Like, how did this happen? Um, like when Ash did really well with um, like his off metal again, we all cheered and stuff. And if any of us are like, and when Dan, for example, went to the UK and traveled and played there, we were messaging him, cheering him on. Like it's this group where it's super supportive, but it all started because we saw each other heaps and we realized where we all had one similar goal where we wanted to travel and play Warhammer around Australia. So we stuck together. We're a bunch of crazy lunatics. Like some of us are like weird ass characters and we love them. Like for example, Jet, like Jet, we pay him out all the time, but he loves it. Like he goes, yeah, this is great. And, um, and like Jet, like one of those people that sometimes like we all get down and when Jet gets down, we like, oh, come on, Jet, you can do this. And we would focus him on getting an army done. Like right now we're pushing him to do an ogre army and he's getting it done. And that's the kind of group that we've kind of made. And it's cool because some people come up to us and like, how can I join Clampville if we're hoping you're really supportive? And we're like, oh, just hang out with us. Oh. <laughs> and you, and, and yeah. like, and, we have, and we've had that. We've had, um, for example, we've had two members join us because they hung out with us. Right, this, 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 this is in the clan full yeah. recruitment show, Liam. Yeah, I, Come on. No, no, but like, but like, but like, we, but like, it's one of those things where we've made this gaming group a support group. So if one of us are down, we raise them up. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, and I've, I've noticed that. And I guess the reason why I wanted to share that story was because it didn't start as like, guys, we're going to start a gaming club. We found a venue. We want to, you know, we want to be a competitive group. You guys just found common a common connection with you all, which was you just a couple of dudes um, who were hanging out at one particular store. You all enjoyed playing a certain game and through uh, continual interactions, you built relationships that were greater than just the tabletop game that you were playing. You built friendships. And um, this is probably not a, a, an uncommon story, but it just shows you how um, simple seeds that are playing at a store can really blossom into something beautiful if you don't have this community or you are looking for something more from your community. You don't feel like you've got the social support. You don't have that community that you guys have talked about. This is how it all started. And you're now reaping the rewards by simply attending events and, and getting conversations started. Yeah. And it's just, it's honestly an amazing support group. Like I remember when I'm having issues at work and stuff, I know that I can just go straight to this Clanfield chat and be like, Hey guys, having a crappy day, what's going on. And then like, they'll be like, okay, cool. We're going to the store and we'll just go to the pub and eat and do some painting. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm very lucky to have that group. And I know that. So yeah. Um, really cool. But it does help. I like, I like that you basically are like, you don't even realize it, but you basically have wrestling valets at your table. They're not supposed to interfere with the match, but of course, one of them grabs the like the chair and like hits them when the ref's not looking. Yeah, kind of similar. Um, it's, it's similar, but it's like getting the beer instead. Like it's, but you're yeah. still the mental game. You're in their head. Yeah, <laughs> it's there it, it, again. Pretty, it's a, it's a pretty. We're a pretty supportive group, and I love it. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's been good. And and I'm I know I'm official friend, so I'm I'm a part of the friend group. Yeah. Um, I want to go. And to we support you, and and also we support you. If since you're a friend, like since you affiliate with us. Well, you guys, well. you guys stayed up at twelve one o'clock in the morning to watch me play on Warhammer Television um, when I was on Blood and Glory, which was game one. It was like from eleven to one o'clock in the morning, and I got constant messages from you guys. And this is back 
three, you know, two, two and a half years ago when we had just played a couple of tournaments. So um, absolutely, the, the the community support is incredible, whether you are a content creator or not, whether you're just the average Joe. Um, you have so many cool people around you. I just want to highlight that. Um, I want to get into some listener questions, if you guys don't mind. Um, Mark Wolf has asked and, and mentioned, you know, depression, anxiety, work, life can stop you from just sitting down and painting and building. Um, how do you guys deal with that um, when you just can't hobby? Um, like when you can't hobby, do you mean like like emotionally you just don't feel like it or, or like you just like I'm on a business trip, I can't hobby right now, I need my fix to get out of my mental uh, headspace? I, I guess he's saying that may maybe – life is happening to to him or to, okay to, yeah sorry, sorry yeah. this is obviously this is just a question not yeah not yeah yeah person, so, when life's happening to you and you want to hobby but you just can't how do you how do you get out of that vicious cycle i would say focus on other aspects of the hobby i think is the you know like so you know you get like i'm about i'm facing layoff here um i won't be able to commit to a different uh, list for Wapaka because I just won't have the disposable income. If I'm like, man, turns out Nagash in Petrifex Elite just was not the way to go. Uh, after I did all my test games, I thought it was going to be great. You know, not top tiered, top table, but I'm known for Nagash, rather Nagash specifically. Um, so I'm going to bring Nagash. Like, um, you know, oh man, oh no, I can't change my list. I can't buy models and stuff like that. So like, I can't hobby, right? I'm going to get locked into that going forward. I say focus on other aspects of, of it. Um, if you can't, like, life's got you down. Um, one, maybe focus on life um, for a little bit. Like, you might actually have to go, hey, man, I, work is not good or or I need to find a job or, or I... Uh, I'm not happy with my current job or I have a bunch of depression and anxiety issues going on right now. Like, yeah, hobby usually is my go-to that helps me feel better. But man, I've painted 50, I've painted 50 Stormcast Eternals and I just don't feel any better right now. And not just because I painted Stormcast Eternals. Um, like it's when you get at some point, you got to change something, right? If, if your standard, your go-to, if isn't, isn't changing if you're not able to to deal you got to change something like i said in a, in a, on a micro scale on a hobby level like okay um you just can't hobby right now for these basic levels but you can talk you can send out a tweet talking about the hobby you yeah. can watch a hobby video maybe you know like just focus the interest if you can't specific like get that like that vicarious hit of the hobby if that's the the sort of basic level we're talking about you can't hobby if it's bigger than that uh, you know, write write a story about your army. Come up with a sweet name for your 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 general. Like, focus on a different aspect of the hobby is like the first thing I would say. If that's not working, if that's if it's bigger than that, then you need to look at your life. And because face it, um, you know, life and family probably come first. And there are various components of life and family that you must fulfill to maintain that you have life and family. You know, you, you got to have food, drink. You got to have your basic needs met. Um. And then from there, it's, Warhammer is a close second. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, uh, but like, you gotta make sure that that first tier is sorted out. Like, you you gotta, it, it, and that might just be it. it, it recognizing 
using some of these techniques we've talked about, like recognizing that something's not that there's an incongruency in your life that's stopping you from 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 hobbying. Um, fix that stuff. Go back to the hobby. And sometimes that means ask for help if you don't yeah. know how to readily I, I, fix your stuff, right? Yeah, like when it comes to like life getting in the way and you want to get to your escape, the great thing, and it's funny because you're listening to a podcast or watching a video, listening and podcasts and stuff is also like pretty much like us content creators, we kind of make it so people can have something to do while they're like focusing on life or like doing things. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I know, I know when I got really busy with work, like there was times where I didn't hold a paint, like I think... Earlier this year, there was a time between April to June or July, I didn't touch a brush or even like built a model. Like life got in the way. I didn't even play games much. But what I did was to get my fix and get my escape. I listened to podcasts. I um, just got to watch Honest War Gamer. I got to watch games, battle reports. I just did stuff that I could do at work or like when I'm like around and about driving for life. Like that was my way of escaping to cope with being like, okay, cool. Like I still love this hobby. I can still escape by doing this. So yeah. 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 In other words, listen to Rantcast. Shameless plug. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do it. Um, But you raise interesting points. I I have one particular person I have in mind and, and and I've had a few people who've shared this story with me is that um, the likes of podcasts and, and shows like this, has helped them feel connected in the community when they are in small towns or they don't have a strong community around them. And I think you've raised a really interesting point that the hobby isn't just painting and playing. The hobby is story. It's reading a black library book. It's listening to a podcast. It's um, going onto um, Google images and uh, downloading a bunch of pictures that, that could be inspiration for your next project when that time or that money is unlocked. Um, the hobby, can, is is so much more than just painting and playing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can always like hit me up with some dank memes on Twitter too, like that, you know, and then I'll just like talk shit with you. Um, if you can't hobby, um, I'll talk shit about the hobby. <laughs> Liam, I know you're big one on this when it comes to the environment and um, some people um I just not in an environment where um, it's 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 good for their hobby. It's positive. Maybe um, you know they don't live in a house. They have the space to help hobby, or maybe there's too many distractions. Is do you have any examples or any ideas on how someone could find a space or an environment that they can relax and enjoy themselves with their hobby? Well, so there's cool places that you can do, um, and one awesome tool that I recommend when it comes to hobby is if you can do it, uh, noise canceling headphones um, to listen to music or podcasts. So you can just like lock yourself out. Um, this I'm not, I'm like, I'm not even kidding. The headphones that I'm wearing now have helped me out heaps cause I don't get distracted. Um, your gaming store is always a nice safe place to hobby. And it's going to be like-minded people there that you can just casually talk to and hobby cause the social part is part of the hobby as well. So you got that. That's one thing. Um, if you don't have that, see, there's a local gaming club. Like we have things like Exiles where people are allowed to come in and paint and hang out and just do that. And then like usually some of those gaming clubs have like bars and snacks so you can just eat and snack on while you do it. And again, you can like not even have your headphones, but you can listen to other people's cool D&D stories and be like, that's really cool, inspirational. Or you can just listen to your headphones again. But you like surround yourself with, again, like-minded people. Um, you do not need a massive space. 
like I'm currently on my desk is like, I'm pretty sure I only got like that much room to actually paint. Like it's going to take like about like, yay. Like it's not that big. I got like, you can go to like your office works or whatever and get like small storage things to minimize your space and like be able to pack it down. Um, but yeah, like you, like the environment is super key. Um, make sure it's just like clean because um, when you when your hobby is messy, you're not like hobby space is messy. You're not motivated to do it. And then you're going to be in that slump. So like, I'm not the cleanest person, um, but I do know that I have to clean this space a little bit. So I feel like I can do it and like get into my escape. Um, but yeah, the environment's huge. And the big part about it is like surrounding yourself with things that make you happy. So like, as we talked about before, like music is an escape for us as well. Like we listen to certain songs. Um, as I said before, I watch anime. So like anime is a huge escape for me. Like when I watch it, I feel good. I feel happy. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying it. And so I literally have two screens right now since like due to my job, I need two screens. So I'm very lucky that I can do this, but I can literally just have one screen just to watch my anime and then paint and get to like, and do that. So yeah, like that's like when it comes to environment, just take the time to set it up and respect your space like honestly and get other people to respect it if it's at home like if you it doesn't need to be huge like i know on twitter we see people with these amazing big spaces with like paint racks and everything you do not need that like i got like the little file storage thing where my paint's not even really properly organized but i can see by colors like that i got them like that's all i need so yeah like it's a huge thing like and the same thing with my work as well like i need a good environmental space for my own work and again, I just have my headphones on and doing that. I sound like a massive antisocial person, but the headphones are honestly no, super some, helpful. Sometimes you need to focus and sometimes you need the space to be creative. And um, uh, I know some people in the hobby um, who, who who do have a lot of social pressures that are happening. Maybe you've got kids or they've got, you know, very noisy environment. They will get up early um, to do half an hour painting a day or they'll stay up late and put the kids to bed and that that one hour or half an hour is their hobby time so yeah um, um and even hobbying for like half an hour can help like you don't need to do like a full two hours or whatever like putting on a bit of color and stuff is just good like if you can just do like i know like the other night my i really want to get heaps of stuff done on my death riders and I just went like, no, nah, I'm just going to do get down like lead belcher. Like just at least if I can get this down, I'll be happy. And it took me and like, it took me like an hour or so. And that's enough for me. I was like, cool, done. I can go. Um, go. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish your point. I, I've, I've literally forgot what I was going to say. So it's all good. Oh, damn. I'm sorry, man. Um, no, I just, uh, what coach said there about like, kind of like a schedule actually, like it, it, it can really help with like, you know, creating that physical hobby space. Like, so, okay, you don't have, like, I, I'm fortunate to have a office here right off the side of my, my master bedroom and I keep it adequately nerdy so that like Molly never wants to come in here because she is not a nerd. Um, uh, but like having a scheduling yourself some time can help you create a physical space too, because you go, this is hobby time after the kids go to bed. I, or I get up early or on my lunch break, whatever your situation is going, I'm just going to like create a space now because, you know, I live in a one bedroom, single apartment with three kids, whatever your situation is. I'm going to create a space now at the table. Right now, my space is here, but you've created a like a sort of metaphysical space by blocking off that time. And if you have rela relationships and kids, getting people to respect that time. 
I hate schedules, but it has really helped me personally to have that. Like, because Molly, again, she's not a nerd, but I'm like, okay, I gotta do rant cast now. Like, and yeah. it's on her. Yeah. Like, I've had to partition that time off, and that's really helped. Um, and then one last thing, just Carter here in chat mm. said, with depression, I sometimes feel like others have it worse than me. So why should I get to feel this way? Um, I <sighs> I don't like I I really think it's super important. Um, people have had it worse than me. I honestly, I, I turned out pretty fucking awesome, man, because of what I went through. Um, but like everyone experiences, like so we, we have the, the basic human emotions because they are just brain chemicals, right? You know, just like that reflex test when the doctor hits you on the knee with the, the little rubber hammer, like getting a stimulus to your brain that says you get to feel sad now, you feel it the same way I do, you know, like you know, mine might persist longer or hell yours could persist as long too. And it, it doesn't, you don't need to have had the bipolar mom or, or, or the bad high school experience or whatever it is. You, one of the things that, that is essential to like sort of getting over these mental health st stigmas is recognizing that everyone's allowed to feel crummy, no matter the reason that everyone's little like crummy emotions in the, in the moment are just as valid as anybody else's. I, I had kind of the reverse. I used to feel like I shouldn't shouldn't feel bad in front of people because like my friend feels bad about something that is minor. You know, they didn't get yeah. the promotion at work and they're spiraling into as deep a depression as me when my mom died. And like now I can't talk about my mom dying in front of mm -hmm. them because no, like what's important is to recognize the common emotions. I think the other stuff is just sort of I don't call it noise but flavor or background like it's the emotion i think that's important and recognizing that we all feel these same emotions in very similar ways because we're humans after all uh that like it, it you got to validate yourself you know and yeah. and just like i have people in my life in my circle that go oh he's just being Andrew and he wants a pity party. Those aren't the people I gravitate towards when I'm in a mood and I need help. You know, yeah. um, you need to find yourself some friends that validate your sadness, whatever the reason, even if you don't think you have these big dramatic issues in your past. Like one of the, th I remember when I had my goth phase, so I'm a little bit older than the emo phase. So I had a true goth phase. Sorry. Uh, like what happened is like, I'm like, oh, this new guard of kids, they're not really depressed. They're just faking it to, you know, because it's trendy now. That was a shitty thing for me to think when I was younger. Like yeah. that was just a terrible outlook on my part. You know, I'm happy that I got out of that mindset. But again, like I wouldn't have been a good friend to have at that time. I was a shitty person in that respect. Um, so like, it's important to like have good people around you that are going to validate you because and i'm again like you don't need a fucking a backstory like a comic book villain to feel valid when you feel bad um and you don't you should never you should never let somebody else not let you feel the way that you just feel you know so so i just had to sorry i had to break the the user questions there because i think that's a really not it's really important to to point that out yeah um, this is coming from Rocco or John Rocco. Um, he said, um, what do you do when something such as playing the game, 
uh, turns from being a stress reliever to a stressor. Now, this often happens um, at, at, at events and tournaments. Maybe you just play locally um, with your friends and then you maybe you go to such a, a large event with 100 or more players and you've gone from like a big fish to in a, in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond and you, um, you know, have, have, have self-doubts or, you know, that the pressure of performance, um, you know, really can get to you. So I guess... You know what? What? What would you guys say? And I, I might throw this one to Liam first. Just um, I know he tends a lot of tournaments. Um, what are your thoughts, Liam, when it comes to the stress reliever turning become the stressor? Um, so this is going to sound arrogant as all hell, but um, and this is really weird. So like I you know how I get really stressed in games. And like, for example, CanCon this year, we had a bit of an issue where there was a call that was made and I wasn't happy with it. And I kind of had a rant, but I had to go outside and get some fresh air. And like, literally all you have to do when it comes to those kind of situations, like at an event and stuff, you need to know when you're crossing a line, when you know that this is, you got to remind yourself, this is just a game. So like, I literally, when I had the situation, I was like, fuck, this is just a game. So I had to like walk myself out, go outside, have some fresh air, and go back, go up to my opponent, shake his hand, saying, like, again, thanks for the game, super sorry, and that's it. And, like, I've had it happen to me a couple of times, so I get really stressed, and it just, it's not good. And, like, since I'm really competitive, um, it it hurts a lot. Like, it, it kills. And then it doesn't also help when you are known in the community as being a top player, so you kind of have that, like, persona to fill, if that makes sense. Like, everyone expects it. Yes. Yeah. Like when we do those list review shows, like I enjoy it, but the part that I get really, when I struggle against is when people go, oh, he's definitely going to be in the top 10. Oh, he's definitely going to be this. And then you go, crap. Like I have to like show them that I can do that. Like they they have so much high hopes. Like with me with ETC, everyone's like, oh yeah, Liam's going to do really well. And then that it gets put pressure on me, but like I need to remind myself that like it's a game and I'm going to do my best. And like, you got to like, se- like, it's kind of this thing where you have to separate yourself and kind of remind yourself that it's a game and that's it. And then take a deep breath. So that's a, that's a really, that, that's probably where I wanted to go with that question. Cause certainly in the moment, and I think Christine has asked a really good question around this as well, that in the moment, absolutely. It's about reminding yourself that it's just a game. You're there to have fun. You want to do your best with what you can do. Um, but then there's that other side of in preparation and going to the event, right? You know, and you're about to go to the ETC. You know, we just highlighted that that, that every team is going to send their six best players across the world. They're spending thousands of dollars to attend an event, and they're going to practice as all hell. These people are going to be good. You're going to have play testers. You're going to have people who win tournaments of 200 or 100 or more size events. They are great. How do you stop that that self-doubt and that pressure from getting to you? And as you've just mentioned, that, you know, when people rate you as a top 10 player, automatically you have a target. Automatically, um, you know, you have self-doubt potentially of, you know, am I as good as X? Uh, or how yeah. am I going to handle this pressure when everyone is, I guess, coming for you on the tabletop? Yeah, it's like you literally have to separate yourself. Like it was like CanCon was a clear example where I literally had to like leave, take a deep breath, 
and like literally had to stay outside for like 10 minutes and then go out and I had to say sorry to Clint and everything. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Cause Clint saw that I was super mad about this call. And, um, and then afterwards Clint understood that like, I just needed the fresh air and he was just like, okay, cool. That's fine. So yeah, like you really need to, it's kind of like a reality check. You need to remember, like, it's just like, you just got to wake up. You're like, yep, this is, it's not the end of the world for me. I can still do this. And the great thing is, is there's so many other, it depends where you are, but like in Australia, there's so many other events where you can go and do well and try your best there. And yeah, like that's, that's the thing. Like if, if you guys have one-off events, like you just can always, you've got to be in that mindset and be like, oh, there's always next time. Like there's always, I can do well next time or I can work on this. And like you learn so much. And the other thing you need to remember is you learn so much from losing. Like if you're just like, if you're like super stressed and you're like, I'm going to lose this game, you're going to learn heaps from it and then like it's kind of like with life like when you lose something in life you just learn from it it's not like there's a million dollars on the line it's not yeah, it's, like it's not like um uh, it's not gonna I'm pay a, your mortgage no it's not like i'm a bodybuilder going for my pro card you know and i've trained and trained yeah. and dieted and dieted and you know this this one particular event is going to catapult me uh to be the next arnold schwarzenegger um yeah you know like, like i think the context that you've just put around this is perfect it Wait. is just a game you are having fun and uh, yes, you want to win. We all want to win, but at, at what cost? And um, the only other thing I'll, I'll pull out before I throw it to, to Mr. Meff is that your performance doesn't equal how good you are as a player. Your yes. performance does not impact your ego. Just because you go two and three at a tournament or you don't top 10 or podium this, this event, doesn't mean you are any less of a player than everyone else around you. Um, sometimes you get a bad draw. Sometimes the dice don't go your way. Sometimes you just have an off day. Yeah, that my ego, and I think that 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 I think the struggles with ego and, and put pressure on us. And yeah, uh, it's important to to separate that. Um, and, and, and you know, even if you get a wooden spoon doesn't mean you're crap and you should throw it throw in the towel um yeah. you know I, like usually you I, get free entry to the next tournament with the wooden spoon award like that's a better prize than going three and two that's pretty good um like, i like that idea I, I, i'm gonna claim that i'm gonna take that for, for, for next city gt every every wooden spoon winner gets free entry to the next year i like it let them come back and apply what they learned from the losses um and like just quickly before Mef join like says anything, um, as you said, like egos, you gotta separate it. Like we all know that I have this ego, like I accept it, like I got it. Um, and I have to separate it so many times in the games. Like I it's and when you do that, you feel a lot better because then you feel like a free person. And funny thing is like when it's kind of like this like work thing that I've learned recently where if you have a lot of pressure at work when you relieve that and you, and you start doing really bad when you put pressure on yourself, like you start making mistakes and you really mess up. And when you take that pressure off where you kind of like, don't think about it and you just do you, you feel so much better. And I just had that recently at work and it's kind of the same thing with the game. It's yeah. like at work, I was struggling. Like I was getting like all these meetings and stuff and they were like, Oh, you need to do this, 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 this. And then like when I took the pressure off and I was like, you know what? I've had it. I'm just going to be myself and do whatever. I feel so much better and I performed better. Like I just was like, cool. And my mindset was healthier. Like I was like happier and yeah. So there's always that as well. 
<laughs> so first off, this is fantastic. CanCon gave you 40k models this year for finishing last because you're bad at AOS, so try 40k. I love that kind of shade. Oh man. Um 40k yeah. did it. 40k did it to us as well. They I know I think 40k gave away some 40k gives out AOS. Yeah, yeah. they give away AOS. That's, that's we just do fantastic. we just but do a switch. We just say try the next system. But in fairness, we sold out our event within 24 hours while uh, they were struggling to to hit their numbers. So so like and then they end up um, sending out a meme to say um, there was a Sigma model with some guns, like some Photoshop guns. Yeah, so they, they're like, they're oh, like, oh, you missed that. Missed out on tickets. Come to 40k. So we 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 know who's up. We know, we, we know who's better. That's fucking fantastic, man. No, so I um I think there's a we talked a lot about like sort of the the advantages of of uh sort of when you make a model the emotional state like the putting yourself on the table type thing. Uh, part of a drawback to that is that the it is just a game. Yeah, we say that, but like you've put there you've invested an emotional state in the game, and so it is actually natural to get mad when certain game states occur. And I think it's important important to allow yourself and kind of make it a make it a precedent as a community, allow yourself to feel crummy, you know? And in turn as an opponent, when you you watch your 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 opponent like roll those snake eyes on that charge in the game, they should have won. All they had to do was roll a three, you know? Like to like give them that moment to be like you know, like, you know, like Liam, he had to go out and just take a deep, give people their deep breath moments. One, uh, like on when you're on the other side and when you're playing, you know, Hey, like, yeah, it is just a game, but like, just like we've been talking with well, my preaching for, for mental state is like acknowledging that, Hey, this is just part of being human. Uh, it's, it's, so I think if you take, you destigmatize your own anger in a game, I'm not saying excuse it. I'm not saying justify it. If you're flipping tables, which is what I do when I get mad at the table, um, you like you're maybe not being healthy with it. But again, certain emotions they exist for a reason. Like as a species, depression often drives you to change your state. Anger often motivates you to get something done. Like we have how the emotions by in and of themselves aren't bad. They even the negative ones aren't bad by themselves it's what you do with that emotion that can be positive or negative so anger at the table i think is the the most often outcome is like you get mad right something happens i'm mad now because you're already in a competitive mindset which is basic human fight or flight gotta hunt kill get my food except now it's minis which first off is just a brilliant point in humanity i i really am a negative guy but i have to sometimes admire good stuff in humanity Rather than go out and like club mammoths, we fucking play toy like games, <laughs> and yeah. I think that's great that you you we've taken our survival instincts to like fucking play board games. But like again, it's it your emotions are valid too, even the negative ones at the table. So it's okay to feel them and destigmatize it a little bit for yourself because then you might not have as big of a swing in your emotional state. Um, and then the other thing is like expectation and perspective. Uh, you have to manage your expectations at events. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of a, like, I was a big fish in a small pond in terms of, like, where I came in competitively playing. I paid for a freaking down payment on a house playing Magic the Gathering. I was never a Pro Tour qualifier, like, but I won enough packs to sell enough packs 
and placed high enough consistently to make real and actual cash money playing that. I came in with an ego. I've won cash money playing fighter tournaments. Like, so I had an ego and then I got old and you age out of fighting at like age 25. But like, I, like, I'm like, so I had like a huge fucking ego and I had to wake up when I came to age of Sigmar. Like I had to check that shit. And, and so like, I think it's, it's important to manage your perspective and expectations because there isn't a thousand dollar prize on the line at age with age of Sigmar, no matter how great you think you are, you're playing a lot of people who are great. That's what makes this community awesome is there is such a high caliber of person that you're going to interact with on the table. It's okay to lose to great people, you know? Like, it's okay. Um, again, you're not putting a down payment on your house with Age of Sigmar play. Like, you're you're not doing any of that other stuff. And, like, I love the competition as much as anyone. Rankings make me feel a little... I don't like the system for rankings, so I kind of hate those. Like, you can just grind one dayers at your local shop that happens to use best coast pairing fucking ranking and like i'm one of the best in the world like go fuck yourself like you're not you're you're you're, sorry um like but like 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 so rankings whatever but i love the i do love the competitive element that's one of my big draws to this game but i love the competitive element in that three-dimensional personalities clash of titans two humans playing the game rather than just sprites on a screen like in street fighter or a deck of cards where I don't even look at you and look down at the deck. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's an important, again, perspective and expectation. You got to manage your expectations. And that's, that takes time. Um, just, uh, just as a transition to Christine's um, question, I, I do want to call out um, what the way I see competitive play, and, and people may agree or disagree with this, is that. I compete with myself. Yes. When I'm at the gaming table, I'm playing against myself. I'm beating myself or I'm winning against myself. When I look at the ranking system, I'm competing against myself and nothing motivates me more than myself. So when I lose a game and I was having this Twitter conversation with Christine earlier, um, sometimes I go a little bit introverted. I'm a very extroverted person and people who know me well, know that I'm, um, when, when I'm not having a good day, I go introverted. And the reason I do that is is not because I'm shutting down because I don't want to talk to people, but rather I'm reflecting internally and thinking about strategies and I'm replaying the scenario and I'm thinking about what can I do differently to improve the next time I'm in this position. And the, the, the caveat to all of this is that when someone looks at me, they might think that I'm not having a good game and they maybe have thought, oh, I've impacted Anthony's experience or he didn't have fun. And it's not quite it's not quite true. It's just the way that I uh, strategically I like to look at the world and, and start to plan. Um, so so you know thinking about the way that I bring myself to the table, I, I need to be true to myself but to make sure that I'm not negatively impacting my opponent, whether I'm in a bad situation or whether I have a bad outcome on the table. And this leads perfectly into Christine's point where she says, you know, when she's in a mentally bad way, she she's more argumentative or is very heated, then that turns uh, potentially turns people away from wanting to have those games. And um, it's when she's in those times, you know, like, like, how do you approach this with your with your opponent? Like, if you're noticing that the, that they're they're having a bad time, or if you're noticing that someone's just not right, they're not normally 
they're not normally like this. Um, is there any advice or any things that you would offer to your opponent? Um, I have, have a, a cigarette break. What's that? Have a cigarette, have a cigarette break. break. Yeah. Buy him a beer. Um, no, uh, I am um, actually a, one of my friends, Chris uh, Grafton. I played him at my first ever really big tournament. Uh, I think it was table. We were both three and oh, third round, right? Like, so you're starting to my first tournament, my competitive mindset, like I'm already starting to get sort of stressed, you know, like the stressors are happening. Um, and uh, mitigating a lot of that stress, by the way, happens the more reps you get, and the more conscious effort you put into it. The more prepared you are with your army, the more prepared you're going to be on the table for like the, the curveball moments of feeling bad and anything that can happen. Um, but like what ended up happening is, is Chris, I actually snapped at him at the table and I'm like a guy who tends to be pretty sporting and pretty nice. But in that moment, it was just like, we were not playing the same, like the same game, if that makes sense. Like we weren't, and I didn't know this guy. I didn't know if he's trying to angle shoot me. He thinks I'm trying to angle shoot him because like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing legions of Nagash with 80 freaking skeletons on the table and I'm fanning them out and I'm kind of shaking a lot and moving slow. Cause I, my first big tournament experience. Um, and I like, at one point, like I'm doing math and stuff. And he's like, well, you know, if you just do this and I'm like, dude, I'm doing it. Like, and just I fucking, I snapped. Right. And then like, we played the quietest game of age of Sigmar I've ever played. Like to finish out the round. I walked up after that game, as soon as I cooled off and I said, I'm really sorry. Like just deeply sorry. And like, I, because I had a very, I had a like just that I had this outburst, this thing. I'm like, and not that it wasn't me. I I possess anger and I possess a temper and all those things, but I try to mitigate that stuff at the table. And when that stuff comes out, you just got to own it. And I walked yeah. up to him. Luckily, I got to play him at the uh, the very next tournament I went to, um, in like round two or something like that. And we had a fucking amazing game. It was one of the best. He's he's one of my good friends now. Like it's it's so I got to redeem myself. And I think if you have the opportunity, you play someone in a tournament, if you have the opportunity to, to play them at the next tournament or outside the tournament, I think that goes a long way in developing a relationship when there's nothing on the line and it's just, and, you know, some personalities just clash, you know, that's natural. Um, you know, you're not playing the game the same way as somebody else. I think part of it is just one, deal with yourself because that's what you can, you can affect, um, own your mistakes and try to grow. So... Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Look, you know, and there's been plenty of times where, um, not plenty of times, but I, I remember one situation where I played against uh, Ken Van Ship, who these, these deep kin eels, and it was at a tournament, and I had a massive headache. It was round two. You know, I was really, I, I was not feeling good, but I was persisting because I was at a tournament. And, um, you know, like I, I had a bad game really bad game i was really snappy at him um i didn't tell him i had a headache but it was it was just mentally it was it was it was driving poor behavior and i messaged him straight away on facebook and i'm and like i found him we weren't friends at the time and i'm like dude i'm really sorry like i i, I completely owning up on it and we've had amazing games ever since so i think what you've just said is beautiful own it apologize and find ways to not put yourself in that same position again Otherwise, you will build a reputation. Um, yeah. uh, last listener question before we kind of wrap this up. I'm conscious of time. Um, 
when you're struggling, this has come from Seth Cook, the the, the goon king himself. Um, wh when you're struggling, do you find it's better to hobby alone? Uh, do you find it's better to hobby with mates or to even go out and, and, and um, play games? You know, for him personally, um, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't really, he, he wouldn't have made it through some of these tougher times if it wasn't for the friends that he's made through the hobbies. And um, he, he, he thinks that hobbying alone isn't always the answer. So I guess asking you guys, you know, what's better if you're not feeling it, you're struggling, you're having a tough time, should you just go out and hobby by yourself with mates or force yourself to play a game? Um, I find, uh, I mean, it really, I tend to hobby with people um, if I'm struggling because I find I need the extra support because I'll turn against myself if I'm alone. Uh, if that makes sense. So even if like, uh, like I, uh, it can be something as simple as like um, joining discord with some people. I know some people will do like hobby, hobby hangouts on discord and Skype um, and things like that. And like, just something like that, you know, is good. Obviously going to your LGS, if you got a great LGS, um, you know, I'll turn on a stream and do hobby hangouts myself. Like I find, or I paint the thing by myself. I'm like, fuck this model. I want to throw it against a wall. And then I post it up on Twitter and a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, you did great, man. Like, cool. You know, that I, I don't, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm sure that like there, there's a place for like hobbying by yourself, but when I'm struggling, I find I need the, the reinforcement. Liam. Um, it depends. Like at the moment, the past like six or so months, I've been enjoying hobby by myself just cause, um, with my job, I'm very much like in with people. So like I'm very much need that time where I need to be alone. Like that's one thing. Like, like I my whole job is literally people, 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 people. So you just need to be alone. But if I have been like if I don't like let's just say it's like the holidays or whatever, and like I've been hobbying by myself, then I go out and hang out with um like like minded hobbyists and stuff. Um, but like I think when I'm like really down, like really really down, a game always helps. Because it's social interaction, um, you can have a beer on the side. Um, you don't have to con you can you've got to concentrate in the game, but you can have a laugh. Like you can do some stupid stuff in the game, but like I'll oh, charge with silly units, see how it goes, yeah. kind of thing. Um, the mage bonk. Yeah, I was like, oh, like for example, like I would like for like last night um, when I was playing, for example, you just do stupid stuff like like oh, I'm just gonna use curse of years, and I was like, why that's so sweet, like because it's hilarious, and we're gonna do it. So you just do silly things like that with your models and stuff um yeah like it's it's stuff like that where i'm just like i prefer hobbing by myself because as i mentioned before the show i'm an introvert extrovert um i like being alone um it's just a thing that i like doing um yeah like it's good yeah and i would suggest if you're going to play a game let let your opponent know what type of game you want to play if you want to yeah. have a funsy yeah, game, absolutely. if you want to yeah. be silly, you want to try, um, I don't know, like a, a, a match that isn't um, from the, um, the the general's handbook. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes you just want to have and take that pressure off. You're like, look, man, I'm, I'm not having a good time at the moment. Can we just have a game? Can we just have funsies? You know, I just want to roll some squigs for some laughs. Because um, I imagine you organise that game and then you get your, you know, your, your dick punched in. Um, yeah. By, by someone who is expecting a competitive play and 
you know, you're being a bit weird, but actually what I'm looking for is more that social interaction, the laughs and, um, yeah, like, you know, letting people know what to expect is always good too. Um, you can do that at every level of interaction in this game. Um, and that ties in with like some of the earlier questions of mental health, like just being honest, man, like it's, that's a, pretty much all it is. I'm pretty like, even at a tournament play, like, my expectations in the game will sh shift based on what I think my opponent wants. And, you know, you ask, Hey man, what, you know, see them, you, you have, you don't always have to be like, what kind of game do you want in a tournament? But you can tell when will they walk up with certain lists, certain models, if they're excited. Oh man, I always run this chaos Gargan. freaking love him. And you're just like, all right, man, this is the kind of game we're about to have. Like loves the chaos Gargan. So now I'm going to try to kill the thing they love because I'm a douchebag and I want to like, you know, game the things, but then we always have these really fun situations where they're protecting the chaos guard and I'm trying to kill it. Um, but yeah, be honest, just be honest up and down, just all the way up and down the chain. Love it. So I'm going to ask three final questions, maybe more rapid fire questions to kind of bring us home. The first one I'm going to ask is um, what would you say to any listener that is going through their own challenges right now? I think Liam should field this first. I've talked a lot. Well, Oh, okay, I was like, okay, I was like hoping you answered. I was like, what's your answer? Um, so can you repeat the question again, Magro? Because I was expecting him to answer this one. Uh, what would you say to a listener who's currently going through challenges right now, uh, whether it's because of the um, just generally something's been triggered or maybe the festive season is not so festive right now? Uh, reach out to your closest friends who you trust. Like just closest friends to talk about it. That's it really. And then seek help. And then um, last thing to add into that one, have a nap. Like you feel so good after a goddamn nap. Like if every time I have a rough day at work, I just go to sleep and then wake up and feel refreshed. I'm not a nap kind of guy, but certainly a shower is, uh, yeah. does that for me too. Like it had a yeah. nice piping shower, just chill under the water. Yeah, like that. That is actually a really good call as well. Like, just something that can refresh you. Like, even if it's like changing your clothes, like just changing to a fresh pair of clothes. It's just yes. something where it's just like, let's refresh, let's do that. So that's like like why naps, like anything like that. Um, and like one thing to mention quickly as well: don't go towards drugs or anything like that. Like, don't think like I know like when you really feel bad, you start thinking like, oh, alcohol will help, kind of thing that's like super, 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 super short term. So don't go, oh, I need a beer or anything like that. You just seek vocal help, not um, substance help is the key thing. Well, like alcohol locks you in the in the emotion you're in, by the way. Like it's just, it, yeah. you're locked in whatever you're in. Yeah. So that That's one of the awesome things about it as a social lubricant, because if you're high energy in the moment, it can lock you in that high energy. Um, yeah. Until, until it doesn't, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I guess mine would be um, just literally all of the above. Um, you know, reach out to a good friend um, and find the quiet moments is one of the things. Um, you know, even at work, you know, I I, uh, I get to drive around in a work truck all day. Uh, if I'm stressing out and I'm having a, a real challenging day or my own mental health issues from just that are persistent throughout my life begin to creep into my work, work day, that's where I grab the Zen burrito that, or that's where I drive the lakefront. Um, cause we have a lakefront. I'll drive the lakefront to get to my next ticket, uh, instead of going straight to it. So find quiet moments, cups, of, a, a single cup of coffee does wonders for me in every situation. Um, which is 
a chemical, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, just a, just a chill cup of coffee um, and just letting myself have that quiet moment where I, I turn my phone off. I don't go on the internet. I, I just drink the cup of coffee and all I do is worry about that cup of coffee in that moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and Tr Tristan is, you know, Tristan Gray, our friend, Tim King Tristan has called out, you know, a short run. We talked about the physiology and, um, you know, getting active is definitely one that works really well. Christine has definitely said, you know, big fan of the nap, um, you know. Nap life. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves the nap, a good nap. I can't sleep during the day, but that, but the show's not about me. The I shower. <laughs> the, sh the shower, though, is key. Love, love a good hot shower. Um, finally, what... What can I do to help a family member, a friend, or someone who I care about who um, who may be going through this challenge? So I want to, you know, what's your advice to me, um, the the listener, the someone, the observant person who's noticed a trigger or um, something's just not right? The first thing is listen. Honestly, yeah. just listen uh, to them. At you know, you can get a run. Listening to them is going to help them run their self diagnostic. They can't necessarily identify the emotions, what's triggering it, until they talk it out themselves in, in so many situations. Just listening, giving them a sounding board can do wonders. Uh, you don't need to, like, have all the answers. You don't need to – just listening uh, sincerely. Just, hey, asking them, asking them follow-up questions is, is part of being an active listener, so it's important to ask questions when you're listening to somebody who's going through this stuff. If you're just like, oh, man, what's going on? And then, like, end of conversation, like, you haven't listened. So yeah. ask, ask those questions. Um, you don't need to get personal with it. Just be like, oh, well, why do you feel that way? Oh, what happened, man? Like, just listen and be active in your listening. And then from there, if you do think it's really bad, you know, how, urge them to seek some help. Because you're probably not equipped to do beyond basic advice and listening. I mean, coach, you know, I wasn't you know, the worst I've ever been, but there were certainly incongruencies in my life. And he just, he listened, he asked questions and then he came up with his lovely lily pad metaphor, whatever the fuck it was. And, uh, and I really did change, uh, you know, I, I, but I had to work on me in that situation. I needed that somebody just listening to me and helping me reorganize my thoughts. And it, it worked wonders for me. Um, had it progressed further in my sort of downward spiral, I, I would have needed to seek help. And I would have probably needed someone to be pretty stern with telling me to seek help because I'm such a stubborn asshole. I don't want to ask anybody for anything. And I, and I will say, uh, as somebody, um, it is really tough to listen and not going to solution mode. Um, the amount of times that, you know, I think that I know the solution and I, I can give this, you know, do this, do this, do this, and your problem solved. Um, I don't believe that would help, but the natural instincts that that the listener has is that they want to help. They want to get this person out of the pain that they're in. And unfortunately, you don't have all the solutions. So I think listening, being intentively listening and also calling out, uh, go seeing professional help uh, is critical. So know, know your limits and not what you can do. Yeah. Dramatic intervention, probably not the way to go, by the way. That, that's for you. That's not for them. That crap's bullshit. The last time someone tr tried to pull that on me, I uh, for I was having um, some really dark thoughts. It wasn't like full, 
pretty self-destructive in terms of like just the anger and getting into fights and stuff like that. And one of my friends thought the best thing to do was to like have this dramatic intervention for like my anger issues and stuff. And I'm like, what did that do? Pissed me off even more. Like that. Yeah, listen, I think is the first step and help urge people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I was, I was call out Andrew yells really quickly and then I'd love to hear Liam kind of close us off is he had mentioned that when his uh, roommate's mother had died um, and she had depression for a long time, um, we had found it was best to just do stuff for her. So don't ask if someone needs something, just make them dinner and do kind stuff. I think that's a, a lovely way of, of doing it in a non-direct way. You know, if you see someone struggling, just do something nice for them. Yeah. Um, to answer the quite like the fire question um listen as we said but then also guide them in a direction of where to go just be like oh go see a gh like go see a gp or a doctor and like go see a professional um and you just got to guide them like listening is great but never go into solution mode because then they will try and start putting the blame on you and then like you just don't need that like you're you're doing them a favor by listening you just never should ever give advice um because we're not qualified if that makes sense like don't don't do something that you're not qualified for like i give i give advice in like saying like have a snack or something but i'm not going to give them like life advice being like well like do this it's it's kind of just like distractions in a way or things to help them cope um with like snacks or whatever like this is weird thing right and this is the weirdest for anyone and you can easily look up how to make this online like one of the littlest tricks I really enjoy is like chocolate granola, right? Because chocolate makes you feel good, right? And granola is like a really nice snack kind of thing. So adding them together, you can literally just have this like a little bit around you. And every time when you like feel low or you just need something to like give you a pick me up, chocolate granola is like sweet. Wouldn't survive on it. Highly recommend it. Like highly not recommend like surviving on it. But you feel it's like it's like this like little kick me up it's kind of similar to like um fisto's like coffee like it's just like a little pick me up kind of thing and it helps so yeah it's just stuff like that when you tell people with advice being like i'll oh, try this kind of thing but you don't tell them like oh you should really do this with your life it's kind of like you don't go near that yeah, yeah you we, we, we all have triggers right like you know i love peanut m&ms i love dr pepper um i love um, you know, my top five bands are like, you know, Ramstein and, you know, The Offspring and, you know, Limp Biscuit. So I chuck one of those tunes on because I know I'm not having a good day. Go buy a packet of M&Ms and put on some mad tunes that I really enjoy. And you'll notice that um, may not be in a, like a silver bullet, but certainly you will feel better. Just naturally you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been amazing, guys, and I, I, I'm, I've stressed it twice, three times. I'm going to stress it again. If you need help, if you are not okay, you know, your your uh, friends and family and your communities are definitely a good source of, of, of support, but definitely reach out to the, the professionals. There are free helplines. There are people that you can chat to over the phone, via text, by, uh, you know, live messengers. Um there is a range of different communities, whether you're in, a, you know, the, the lifelines of the world, you know, um, you know, the UK has uh, a great company. Uh, someone, uh, Christine pointed out uh, Mind, I think they're called, um, you know, that you've got the Kids Help Lines, you've got the Crisis Centres. There's a lot of really helpful people out there. Uh, please get professional help 
as much as reaching out to their friends, family, loved ones. Um, Mr. Meff, if people want to find you and they're going to uh, potentially, if you're watching this live, know that this man's going to be streaming in about 20 minutes time with uh, Mr. Strength Hammer himself, one of my dearest and, and I love that man. Um, Britney Spears is definitely superior than uh, <laughs> uh That's a fact. Adepticon, uh, I beat him with my Britney Spears shirt and his Taylor Swift shirt. We the Battle of the Pop Stars. It's legit. Britney won. But Mr. Mandela means better. Eh, that wasn't a part of the battle. The battle was Britney versus. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Cardella means better. All right. Well, you like that 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 whatever that person is. I, I gotta go. Shirt. And we'll battle. But more importantly, Mr. Meff, they want to talk to you. They want to find out more about you. They want to listen to your amazing uh, content. Where can they find you? Um, I mean, uh, Mr. Meff, uh, you know, at MR underscore M-E-P-H. Like, I kept it short instead of spelling out Mephisto. So you can use even more characters to rant at me on Twitter. Uh, and then uh, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, YouTube, just look for the links. It's gibberish. Uh, you could probably look up AOS Rantcast and find me that way. Otherwise, my Twitch is uh, Mr. Underscore Mephisto. Um, I do uh, usually a weekly Rantcast. Often falls on a Thursday around seven o'clock. Um, I'll be running to a. I'll be doing that after right after this. Um, but then I also do hobby hangouts and I play some video games too. So, so I'm I'm usually around the internets. You can find me thereabouts. Love Sick. it, and Liam. Uh, Twitter at Shadowhammer underscore. Um, you guys can always message me and just chat about crap. It's always good. Um, I've been enjoying it recently, just having heaps of people talk to me about just random stuff, if it's like personal, even like hobby. Um, and then the Sydney page, um, we're on the Age of Sigma Sydney Australia page. Um, and yeah, and then you, yeah, just here really getting to talk to you every two weeks. I just want to call out uh, to wrap this up because I can't believe I forgot about talking about it. But more importantly, I've been the guest here. Um, you know, you guys have been the experts. SSXE uh, mentioned about vets and that reminded me about animal companionship and nothing is more rewarding. Nothing can help ground you than the unconditional love that is your pets. So nothing makes me feel better than hanging out with my dog. No, I know, I know Liam's a cat man, but... Um, that's also a great, you know, um, place of inspiration and support. So, um, do, do hang out with your, your, your loved ones. I gotta say though, animals know when you're done. Yeah. They just know, like, they just know. So like, they're pretty cool. Um, I know I had like one cat, but I kid you not, every time I had a crappy day, just did not leave my side. It was just like, if I was in bed, I was like, I just want to sit down and watch anime. This cat would just like turn up. Her name was Phoebe turned up, sat with me, and just said, like, I'm not leaving you to your freaking bed. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, it's a really good shout. All right, I'm going to end the stream by saying animals are the best. Go go, go hang out with your cat. Go hang out with your dog. Go find an, a rescue animal. They are the best. Guys, thank you very much for both being so honest and transparent and sharing so much about yourselves. I hope uh, these simple strategies can help people uh, who may be not feeling okay. And if you aren't feeling okay, uh, my my uh, my Twitter DMs are open, uh, much like I imagine uh, my two fine guests uh, would be here to, to, to help. Um, if you are watching this live, jump onto Twitch, go follow Mr. Meff. Uh, he's about to go live in about 15 to 20 minutes time. Otherwise, go catch it on replay if you are watching this later. Thank you, everyone, uh, and we'll catch you next fortnight. Good night. Peace.